other than that, we've got everything we need to start the show. So if you want to um, read that card, we can get cracking, dude. Okay, let's do it. All right. The sun. Enthusiasm, playfulness, clarity, personal growth, self-acceptance. The sun is a card of light. When the card shows up, it is the time to reveal everything. You will benefit by sharing your true feelings and thoughts. You will have a greater clarity and understanding. It is time to celebrate your accomplishments and share them with the world. Don't be afraid to shine. Let your inner child show. Be playful, creative and curious. Align your actions and words with your authentic self. Do what makes you feel excited and warm inside. This card can represent a burst of energy and vitality. An outcome card, it is a yes. That's great. It's a yes for me too. Yeah, (laughs) so appropriate. Welcome to Fuck You Tarot Lady episode 27. My guest today is Carl Whitbread. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, for people who don't know you, you're a very multi-talented guy. You're an artist, you're a musician, you've got a bunch of bands and things. So I figured before we get into any of that stuff, we'll do a little bit of a lightning round to kind of uh, Sounds good. sum up your origins to kind of get people the feeling of like what it was like for a young Carl Whitbread. So we'll get cracking with... Uh, <laughs> The music around the house when you were growing up, what was it when you didn't have control over it? Uh, it was mostly like my dad would listen to a lot of Beatles and things like that. I guess earlier on it was probably my, my nan, uh, was a, she was a piano player and so she's Irish and would play a lot of piano and stuff in the house, which was kind of a nice start for my musical interest. What kind of piano is that? Like, what were the songs? Like, what what were the... Uh, like, just classic Irish jigs, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> that's what I wanted to say. I didn't want to be like, oh, were they like Irish jigs? Be like, oh, that's racist. Just like all Irish yeah, yeah. Play jigs. But it was... Nah, things you, like that. You were river dancing yeah. in the... Is that is that like what was happening in the, as a young boy? Yeah, pre- yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so there's so there's some piano going on that's really cool um yeah that, that is that is nice it's like a really nice classical upbringing you've got there for your music yeah uh what about an msn screen name or myspace name that was embarrassing at the time when you were like 19 did you have one of those uh yeah yeah this is real embarrassing actually so it was it was Wesloss, and the reason it was Wesloss is because i went through a little phase where i liked limp biscuit oh everyone did don't feel bad about that yeah 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 and uh uh our old singer in my original band used to call me carlos and then used to i used to play like limp biscuit riffs at band practice so then he started calling me wes borland and then he started calling me Wesloss and that became my screen name. Oh, that's great. I love that. That's probably yeah. one of the best ones yet we've dug out of the, <laughs> the guests for people. That's really good. Yeah. Um, do you have any bad tattoos that you're embarrassed about now? No, um, I love all my tattoos. I was lucky enough to get tattooed at an older age. I think I got my first, I think I got my first one when I was 26 and oh, yeah, I'm a bit like of a control freak. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a control freak, so I like planned everything out pretty, um, you know, maliciously or whatever. But um, 
Yeah, I, th- I think if I got one when I was younger, I'd probably have an armful of tribal tattoos or something horrible like that. So, yeah. Was that the vibe back grateful. then? Do you reckon you would have done I that? I think so. Were... Yeah? Maybe. I, I always wanted... I mean, I've, all my tattoos are pretty bold and black and I kind of like that style, but I think not knowing any better, I probably just would have thought, oh, yeah, tribal's cool because it's really bold and get a full sleeve. <laughs> that would have been fucking terrible. It's like that one Dave Grohl tattoo he's got that's like a red tribal yeah. thing that pokes out of a shirt sometimes. Like, yeah. dude, like so, so Come bad. on, dude, just get it removed. You got the money, fucking hell. Or just cover it with a giant, like do a Joe Rogan full colourful tat that comes out of nowhere. It's like, sweet, you just like booked in, paid a couple of grand. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know. That's, Easy. That's the shit. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who was your first musical influence? Like, what was, like, the record that you heard or, like, the song on video hits or something that was kind of like, oh, shit, I'm going to pick up a guitar now? Oh, what was that? I don't know. It's probably, it, like, a, was it West ama- amalgamation. No, no, it wasn't. It was probably, like, Metallica or something. I actually started listening to much heavier music before I delved into the new metal path so yeah, it was probably like metallica or you know band. i think faith no more was a big influence back in the early days as well so mal on yeah. the producer and Nirv- nirvana and all the yeah nirvana and all the usual shit as well i guess you know like so you grew up in a generic 90s alternative music world is that kind of where you pretty kind much of, yeah excellent good to know yeah. um yeah what was your first instrument was it guitar no piano oh so, so did you- yeah my nan taught me, so we used to like when I was a kid. She'd she'd sit me on a lap and we'd play piano together, and that was really cool. And then I actually got lessons when I was a kid, um, and then when I became a teenager, I went pianos for dorks. Um, I'm going to do something cool, and initially wanted to play drums. I always wanted to be a drummer, but my parents said it's too loud and too expensive. So I was like, well, guitar's the second best, I guess. So yeah. Did that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, what was the first CD you purchased with your own money? Do you remember what that was? Uh, I think it was. I think the first album I got on CD was Offspring Smash. Um, but I think the first one I purchased with my own money would have been like, uh, we, had, we had this alternative record store near where I was growing up in Campbelltown. And I had, I think it was like $5 pocket money. And I went and bought this Nine Inch Nails single. I think it was Head Like a Hole. And I put it on and in in retrospect, I love Nine Inch Nails now and I love that song. But at the time it wasn't heavy enough. And so I actually ended up (laughs) taking it back. What? And I and I, I think I swapped it for like a Sepultura single or something. Oh, okay, that's pretty. Yeah, good. yeah, no, this yeah, is, yeah. This is all very hopefully for the listeners as well because it's doing it for me, painting a very interesting canvas of like your musical taste already. <laughs> like it's already all over the place, which is very cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Hundred percent Metallica. Yeah. I um yeah, and Justice for All was like one of those life changing albums. Um, and to be fair, I never, never listened to Megadeth much. And then when I finally did, I didn't really like it. Um, and, and, an, and another embarrassing story, when I was younger and a metalhead, I thought uh, we went, like there was a local market near where we were growing up and they'd, you know, sell dodgy band shirts for $10 or whatever. 
and they, they had heaps and heaps of Megadeth shirts and I always loved the designs of them because they were like so brutal and devils and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to just buy these because it looks cool, but never listened to them. And then, yeah, when I got older and I heard them, I was like, this is not very evil. Like, <laughs> oh, it, the- yeah. oh, man, you're totally <laughs> right. I was like, this guy's singing. Like, what's going on? <laughs> It's so funny because so, like that question's in here. Uh, Matt Cleary, friend of the show, patron of the show, put that in there because he just thinks it's funny because hopefully one time someone's just going to be like, fuck you, dude, Megadeth, rust in peace. You know, yeah. like like someone's going <laughs> to totally. finally do it. But uh, you think you're right. When Metallica and Megadeth are getting put up, they're always going to lose in a lot of ways. But when it comes to design, like you're a designer, you know, like those Megadeth albums have got a lot more to say than some of those Metallica ones, right? Totally, totally. A black album. What is it? Nothing. <laughs> It's black. <laughs> well, marketing genius we, invented that one. Isn't there a little totally. tread on me snake there, in the corner? There, yeah, there's a little there's a little spot UV snake at the bottom. Yeah, that's pretty cool though. Yeah, that is. That Admittedly. would look really nice on the vinyl if you bought like a, a record of that and you just had a little little snake in the bottom, you know. And uh, totally. you, you are it looks like you're a very avid record collector based on your Instagram, so we can talk about that a little bit later in the show as well. And I'm going to make a yeah, note cool. so I don't forget because I do that all the time on the show, dude. I'm like, oh, we'll talk about that later. And then we just do not talk about that thing. And the listeners must be very <laughs> upset. Listeners, if you are upset by that, uh, write in at Fuck You Tarot Lady on Instagram. Um, all right. What about your favorite music video? Do you have one Ooh, or a couple? Yeah, yeah. I've got fucking heaps. I'm trying to think what would be my favorite um i've always liked go with the flow by queens of the stone age oh i the, didn't know uh, that had a clip what did you describe oh, the my, clip? it's amazing oh it's um it's like this rotoscoped animated uh scene of them playing in the back of a ute and then they basically make it have a collision with another car and like with these skull guys driving it and I know it's just really it's really well done and it, it I mean it's a great a bit, song as well it's a great song actually um yeah is it is that a, is it sounds a bit mad maxi based on what you described then like yeah but but really um definitely but it's really just like it's like three colors or whatever it's like black oh. white and red that's real it's really um nicely stylized yeah, okay, great. I have to check yeah, that out. Cool. I can't believe I've I've seen the one where like Dave Grohl's drumming no one knows, is that and they end up on the wall. That's like the only clip I remember from that era I think of Queens so. of the Stone Age. And it's like they've got this weird glow around them, like because they filmed them in a green screen room and just like got lazy and just thought they just add a bit of a factor. Did you ever get that feeling when you saw that? I don't- I can't, I can't remember if I've seen that one. I must have seen it, but I don't I don't remember it. It's like, you know, when you mask I, something out and you're too lazy, so you're like, oh, we'll just add yeah, a bit of feather yeah. and we'll just, and that's what it looks like yeah. the clip is. Like they've just feathered the Where's outside. Where's their hair gone? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, oh, I think, shit. I think my, um, I think my close second would be uh, My Machines by Battles. Have you seen that one? With, no. Uh, Gary, Gary Newman's a guest vocalist on it, but it's this amazing clip of, it's like, it's it's made to look like it's one shot and it obviously isn't but it's they're in a shopping mall and they're singing and you see the band and then you see Gary Newman and then in the background there's a guy chasing his kid up a flight of escalators the wrong way and he trips and literally the whole clip is him tumbling constantly through this escalator and then 
by the end he's like bleeding and stuff. It's really fucking weird, but it's very, very cool. That also a great. great song. We're going to add them yeah. both to, uh, we make a YouTube playlist that go with each episode. So then we'll put all oh, these sick. in together. Everything we mentioned, hopefully uh, producer Mal will get on it and myself will make sure we have it all <laughs> listed. So yeah, anyone awesome. listening, jump onto the YouTube playlist as well and you can go down memory lane with us. I'm sure there's already going to be some Limp Biscuit slipped in there as well after you <laughs> mentioned that, which no, I try and, try no. and put some Limp Biscuit in every playlist of the show. Oh, fair because, enough. You know, everyone <laughs> always talks about it. We all love Limp Biscuit. There's no denying. Um, final two questions of the lightning round openers were worst gig and best gig. And that can be either gigs you've been to or gigs you've played. So it's very open to interpretation. Uh, worst gig. Um, Sam actually might've mentioned this when he was on your podcast um, and probably told it way better and more dramatic than I will. But we played a gig in Italy and I know that sounds like a whinge to be whinging about a gig in fucking Italy, but it was this random pub in the middle of nowhere and the they said, oh, you know, we've got accommodation for you guys at the at the venue. And we're like, yeah, sweet. We rock up, um, load all our shit in. And then the we were like, where's our, um, where can we put our bags? Where's our rooms? And she said, oh, no, 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 you just, you just sleep here in the pub. And we're like, ah, <laughs> oh, like just... Just on the on the fucking uh, the bucket seats, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah," and we're like, oh, "Okay, well, whatever. That'll it's fine. It's touring, you know. We can we can rough it. That's that's no problem." And then we were like, "So what times? What times the pub close?" And she's like, "Oh, gig will be done by midnight. Everyone will be out by one o'clock." I'm like, "Oh, that's fine. We had to we had to be up at like five in the morning to go to the next city." Um, so we played a gig. It was fucking terrible. There was like 30 people there. The opening band was some weird band. The singer didn't even show up till halfway through the set. The singer runs in, who thought he was Mike Patton, starts singing. And he had this little entourage of people who brought in a bunch of trees and leaves and stuff. And they started putting them all over the stage and lighting incense. And we were just like, what the fuck is going on? And then the singers literally slapping trees around the stage while making all these weird noises. And we were just kind of looking at each other going, what the fuck are we doing? And so we play the gig, show finishes, gets to about, gets to about one actually, pub's still cranking. Everyone's still there drinking. And we're like, fuck, all right. And then gets later and later gets to about 2.30 and we're like, fucking hell. And then finally everyone leaves, but all the bar staff and their friends have a big lock-in. And we were like, oh, shit. Like, we have to literally be up in fucking three hours. <laughs> and then and then, then they start smoking cigarettes inside as well with all the doors closed. So we're like, fucking hell. And then, and then finally, we're just like, guys, we need to go to sleep. Like, and like, oh, that's cool, it's cool. We'll, we'll we'll just go into another room, and then they go into this other room for like five minutes, and they all come back out into the bar, and they're just like yelling. And so yeah, we all just crawled into our sleeping bags and literally had ten minutes of fucking sleep, and then got up the next day smelling of cigarettes and yeah, like rock and roll. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, it makes a good story. Can't really complain. <laughs> it was definitely, it was definitely one of those moments, though, where you kind of go, 
is this worth it? <laughs> is, all this, is all this time worth this shit? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Start questioning your motivations at that point for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to, to not sour the, the listeners uh, thinking that you just want to give up guitar at any moment, tell us about the best gig experience. There must be one that, or, or one that stands out that's uh, real special for you. I could, uh, I mean, I think, mo- I mean, most gigs I've played personally have, have been pretty good, luckily. Um, I think my personal favourite, as in a punter, would probably be, uh, I think, Sigaros, possibly. Uh, it was like one of their earlier tours. They played at the Enmore Theatre and um, it was the first time I'd seen anything that grandiose, I guess, live. And it was like really overwhelming and all the emotions, you know. And mm. so that, that's kind of always stuck with me as being like, yeah, just super epic. And I I think that's also really good that Sigur Ross also is another one of those bands that I think, because when when I guess you look at your body of musical work, it's quite, you know, like it's all over the place. You know, you've kind of experimented in lots of different things. And I think that, you know, people get a bit weird if you're like in a metal band, but then you're also in like a kind of post-metal band or whatever you want to call those kind of subgenres. But it makes sense for you with that canvas now painted of like, oh man, you're into all these different things. You're not just like yeah. a metal dude who loves Metallica who like made a metal band. It's like it makes sense to no. explore these little creative nooks and crannies, you know. Totally, and I think, totally. I think that's really interesting. So let's let's get into your origins now. So, you know, we know that cool. you've been <laughs> you've been playing piano on grandma's knee and like learning Irish jigs and being a piano dude. <laughs> <laughs> so then what's, what's the next step up from that? Like, what's the thing, you know, you mentioned Offspring, you mentioned um, Nine Inch Nails and then Sepultura. Like, are these all the things that are like in swimming around in your little young adult mind? Yeah, I, I actually started off listening to like pretty extreme stuff. I had a, I had a mate in high school, Italian friend, uh, Maurizio, his name was. Don't know what's happened to him. Uh, a lot of Italian he, things flowing through this podcast yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he had this. He had this older brother who just had all these fucking amazing CDs, and I think we were like in year eight or nine or something like that. And yeah, started listening to Metallica and all the kind of more mainstream stuff. And then he'd bring in like Cannibal Corpse or Mr. Bungle or Napalm Death, and. He just, it was like so cool. He just like bring a CD and he's like, oh, check this out. I remember looking at like a Cannibal Corpse cover going, fuck, this is like, I don't think I should be looking at this. This is like (laughs) full on. (laughs) And then put it on and you're just like, oh my God, like this is fucking scary, but really cool at the same time. Oh man, that's like the first time I think my, I was introduced to Cannibal Corpse would have been like on the Slipknot Rage back when I was a little kid and it was Sentence to Burn was the song. And then- piecing together that that was the same band from Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I know. I didn't know that till I was older. That was, that was so cool to find out too. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fucking amazing. The band Refused have recently come out. They're doing the uh, the soundtrack to Cyberpunk 2077. Did you know that? No, I did not. I fucking love Refuse. Yeah, so they've got yeah. this alter ego band called Samurai. They've been releasing music out, and you can find that on Spotify under Samurai. Oh, and it's like Refuse tracks that are a bit more new metally and aimed at kind of cyberpunk stuff. And they said they quoted because you know Refuse is a kind of band that are very anti-capitalist, anti a lot of things. It's like you're doing a soundtrack yeah. for a video game, it's a bit sellouty. But they did in their PR release thing, they were like, oh, we wanted to be like the Cannibal Corpse in Ace Ventura for people who play cyberpunk. And I'm like, that's the best Fantastic. answer to sell out for. 
Yeah, anything you do now is totally fine that you've made that reference. All good. Go for it. (laughs) Sell out. Sell samurai shirts for like 50 bucks a pop. Who gives a shit? Go for it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I have to check that out. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, that with Keanu Reeves means this game could be the most anticipated thing ever. Like mixing all those things together. Wild, wild shit. Unreal. (laughs) So you're listening to this heavier kind of stuff. At what point? Did you pick up a guitar? Was this to kind of learn Cannibal Corpse Riffs or was this before that? No, I, I kind of went a bit the other way. I, I, uh, a lot of, I was kind of, other than my mate, I, we were like the only two metalheads in our whole year at school. But then the punk thing came through and a handful of people were listening to that. And then I started listening to punk as well and like, you know, no effects, all the usual stuff. Even like, like uh, Friends or Rom. Friends or Rom was like one of the first uh, live gigs I'd actually ever seen. Um, and so I was just kind of dicking around trying to learn things. I've always, I've always played music by ear, mostly. Um, so I just would dick around at home trying to play punk songs at home because, you know, they were quite easy. Like there's no way I'd be able to play a Cannibal Corpse riff by ear. I wouldn't even <laughs> fucking know what's going on. But... Um, yeah, so I started playing a bunch of punk shit in my bedroom and then one guy in my year I found out was a drummer. He also kind of liked punk stuff and we were just like, hey, let's get together and have a jam. And yeah, and then we just started jamming at school and then we we roped another friend in who'd never touched an instrument in his life. And we're like, you're the bass player because that's easy. <laughs> no offense to bass players, but... <laughs> We were, um, yeah, we're like every you, bass you can player play listening bass. knows. Like, yeah, exactly. Like they know that's yeah, how they got yeah. roped into play bass. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, yeah, so then we formed like a little shitty punk band, and we were doing like Blink One Eight Two covers and terrible shit like that. And um, and then eventually that moved into oh, I discovered hardcore uh, through some like mutual friends, and then I was like, hey, this is like metal cross with punk this is kind of cool like it's Mm. it's heavier it's much heavier so then we started evolving to more of a hardcore sound and um and then basically there was one rehearsal studio growing up in Campbelltown um and I basically met became friends with a lot of people through there like obviously people who I didn't go to school with um and most of those guys you know I'm a lot of them are still in with us to see um, uh, Aaron and Leroy who play in totally unicorn guys like that. Like that's, we all kind of became friends through this one studio. Um, and then things just kind of went from there and then different bands evolved. And then, yeah, I ended up uh, our first proper band was called means to an end, which then ended up becoming Omarada. It was literally the same lineup, just with a name change. And what was, with um, the, what was with the name change? Was it just, you know, you felt like you needed to change the name for the band to take it more seriously or did Yeah, you guys that's feel- exactly what it was. I, I, think, it, I think we, uh, at the time, we were like, Means to End was a cool name and then we did the kind of hardcore thing for a while and then we wanted to kind of get a bit darker and a bit more experimental and we kind of thought the name felt a bit old and crappy, so we thought we'd try and be a bit more you know mysterious or something like that <laughs> and what does omerata mean because that seems because isn't the omerta isn't that italian for gangster or mafia or something yeah well well <laughs> our uh drummer who is also the, the current drummer in wheel us to see 
he um, he was just trying to figure out names and he came up with that. He literally had just spelt it wrong. So it was meant to be a murder. <laughs> he spelt it wrong and we were like, we, we didn't know any better. And we were like, yeah, that sounds fucking cool. Awesome. And then I think like six months later, we we're like, oh, it's a spelling mistake. And then we we're like, oh, it doesn't matter. At just least it's original. Just add an accent original. to the end, you know, add a little yeah, thing on the yeah. A. Totally. No one will know. We we're like, oh, it's, a, it's an original name. No one's going to be ripping that off. So. so that sounds great. Tell us about this kind of shift towards uh omarada like how did you what were the bands that were influencing you to kind of push more of like a post hardcore or post metal kind of sound so i think it was i mean we were when we were doing means to an end we're all about ray's fist and kind of bands like that and then we started listening to bands like dillinger um so more of the techie stuff but at the same time we're also listening to bands like isis and cult of luna and a bit more of the heavier post-rocky stuff as well. And, you know, we all just loved all of it. So it was, we basically were just trying to combine all those different elements into, into the one band. Mm. This is very yeah. interesting. So what time would this have been in the timeline? This would have been around like early 2000s? Uh, uh, maybe a bit later. I think uh, Means to an End was around, yeah, early 2000s. And then I think Omarada was like, yeah, 2000 and two or four or something like that yeah around that yeah 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 so i think we 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 had our last show in 2006 from what i can remember something like that yeah yeah wild so then what happened at the kind of dissolution of omarada like what happened there because i've seen that you've reposted it's on the band camp you can still hear that record that you recorded was it like kind of like a remix and remaster later yeah, well, we we um, we tracked that whole album and then literally broke up before we got a chance to release it. Oh, whoa! Um, so we've had those files for you know ten years or whatever, and um, so our guitarist Matt, our second guitarist Matt, who's also the guitarist in Wheel of C now, he moved to London um, to live there for a few years, and so that was one factor. But I think also, I don't know, we were all just. You know, when you, you play in a band and then it just doesn't become fun anymore. And I don't know if it was like just personal tension or whatever. I think it was an amalgamation of a lot of different things. And we were just like, yeah, we're done. And, and then, yeah, Matt moving to London kind of was the nail in the coffin. We're like, well, we're not going to replace him. So let's just fucking call it a day. And yeah, we literally had a whole album of stuff recorded and not mixed or anything. And we were just like, eh, can't be bothered. <laughs> and then, and then uh, yeah. And, and it actually wasn't until Matt moved back from London, like 10 years later, he was like, maybe we should do something with that. So yeah, we got all that up and running again, but yeah. Wow. And I'm, mm. I'm sure that there would have been, you know, there've been other bands from that kind of era doing that, you know, not not that specific kind of stuff, but everyone remembers that era of mid to early two thousands. You know, like with the abandonment having that yeah. show going up on YouTube just recently, and there's a couple. There's a little bit of uh, almost nostalgia around that time of like, remember when jeans were really tight, and remember when we all wore yeah, bands, yeah. and like, you know, like people would swing their guitars. jeans weren't tight. Jeans weren't tight around then; they were fucking loose as shit. Were they? <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Like size 38 keppers. Is that what was going on up in shoes. Sydney? I feel like in the early yeah. 2000s of Victoria, it was all about the real tight pants. You had to be tight as fuck. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. Maybe it was, but yeah. <laughs> we definitely went through the baggy jeans phase for a very long time. 
That's awesome, dude. All right, cool. So then after the kind of dissolution of Omarada, and then what happened after that? Like, did you have time off for music or did you focus on other things or like what kind of was happening to yeah. you at that time? I, I literally did. I, I, I just couldn't be bothered playing music anymore and just had a break for a couple of years and just kind of focused more on design stuff. And then, uh, and then I think I just got the itch again and started just writing songs in my bedroom again, which then went on to become low, basically. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. so like, um, let, before we get on to low, and we'll talk about that at length, let's talk about your kind of design, motion, graphic, animation. What do you, what do you call yourself? What do you do freelance? Like, what do you say you do? Uh, now I say motion designer. So mm. I, I, I used to be a graphic designer, I guess, which I still am. But um, now that I do more animation stuff, it's like, yeah, motion designer. Animator is a bit of a, uh, I wouldn't call myself an animator in the sense of like, I don't know, it sounds like you make cartoons and yeah, like it sounds you like you Walt Disney, Walt Disney. Or something. <laughs> exactly. And I definitely don't or can't do any of that shit. So yeah, it's more like, yeah, motion graphics, motion designer. Yeah, That's great. Kind of what I go by. Yeah. And uh, your credits include, you know, you've done a, like a lot of like cool music videos in the scene, specifically for Low, but you also did that cool high tension clip as well. That was you doing the motion graphics for Vale, right? Yeah, for Vale. Yep. Yeah. So yep. that's so for someone, and we'll put that in the YouTube playlist for people. I'm making a note for it so you can check it out and see Sick. Carl's handiwork. But what does that take to do when you've got like Karina singing kind of against a wall or whatever and then you've got to animate all this kind of stuff over how long does that kind of take for you and how do you design that is that you talk to the director about that as well or yeah i mean it depends on the job but that specifically it was um like i've matt matt their bass player i've um been friends with a long time and and he's a he's a director and um so we kind of went back and forth with some different ideas and and they were on a obviously a low budget and quick time frame, which all bands are, but it was just like... <laughs> you never got a band that's like, we've got heaps of money for this clip, man. We've got heaps. heaps of money, yeah, yeah. He, he's just like, look, this is all we've got. What can we do? And so I was like, well, let's just do this and this and we'll, we'll figure it out. So for, for that, it was a bit more... I think like normally if I do a project, it would be kind of planned, very like storyboarded and all that kind of stuff. But this was a bit more just like, all right, you guys film a bunch of green screen stuff in Melbourne, send it to me, and then I'll just literally fuck around on the top of it. And, You're making it which, sound which is so, cool. like, everyone who watched that clip would have been like, wow, so arty and amazing. And it's like, now you're just like, it just shot some green screen. It's like, fuck it, I'll just put some stuff over the yeah. top. You want to look evil? Yeah. yeah. Green is evil now. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, that was, I mean, that was a, that was a, you know, good slab of work, but um, it, it's more like, yeah, there's, there's experimenting, but then you've got to, you got to refine that, which so sometimes it's actually harder to just experiment because there's kind of no limits to what you can do, yeah. and that makes it harder. Whereas if it's a if it's storyboarded properly and it's like right, this is exactly what you need for every shot, then it's it's actually sometimes a lot quicker and easier. But that was just like oh, I'm just gonna fuck around with a bunch of shit, and then and then I had to kind of whittle it all down and make it work with the track and. Yeah, so it was it was it was a fair bit of work. Right. So obviously this is. <clears throat> That kind of work's come later in your career, but back in these days when you've just yeah. finished Omarada, what kind of motion, were you doing motion design back then or were you just being graphic designing? Like just kind uh, of- a, a little bit. I, I kind of I kind of had my fingers in a lot of pies back then. I, I, started, I started off as a, um, as like a, 
I've always been a designer, but I started off doing like programming and things like that. I worked for like a um, multimedia company um, just out of when I got out of high school. And we kind of did basically these interactive educational programs. So it would be, you would design them, but then you would also program them and all this shit. And like, there'd be video work, there'd be audio work, there'd be like everything, which was kind of cool because it like uh, exposed me to lots of different aspects of the field. Yeah. And if you were um, making like a, an educational tool back then, would that have been an EXE like installer or like it wouldn't, definitely, have, it wouldn't yep. have been web-based back yeah, then? CD, it's all now. CD, no, all CD-ROM. There was, there was uh, a soft piece of software called Director and Authorware from Macromedia, which was pre-Adobe. Yeah, before Adobe um, ate them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that was all, that was all CD-ROM stuff. Like, and really limiting, as, especially compared to nowadays, as far as how you design things and what you can actually put in there. And it's like, oh, the video can only go for five seconds and, or else the computer will shit itself. And yeah. <laughs> That's so, really cool. Yeah. So you were just kind of, you immersed yourself in that instead of being in a band. Like, was that, were you still working at that place or were you working for yourself at this point once you kind of quit music for a little bit? No, no, I, I was, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I worked there for like four or five years. It was my first job out of high school. So I was still doing the band thing while I was working. Um, and then, yeah, it was after the band dissolved. Um, I ended up moving to Wollongong and becoming freelance. Um and then was just doing like, do you remember Macromedia Flash or Adobe Flash? They used to do a lot of that stuff. So there was always animation then, but it was still mostly design related. But I do a lot of that and ended up doing lots of like, I'd work on a lot of web banners and like real fucking boring shit like that. But, you know, it was fine. It paid the bills. So so um, then, and then when did, where did you, like, when did the flair kind of, you know, like, cause when I, I've seen your showreel and it's great. You've got all kinds of cool shit in there. Like when did that stuff start populating? Like, when did you start doing that kind of that, stuff? That, that was, that was quite recent uh, as in, uh, maybe six years ago, like, oh. but recent in terms of my design career, I guess. Um, yeah, I just got like, I just got sick of working on banners and just, designing emails and really boring shit like that and wanted to start doing more uh, animation work and like video and you know I just I, I really love the combination of audio and visual and so then I decided to teach myself After Effects um, properly like I'd kind of used bits and pieces over the years but not properly and yeah, so I that's, literally that's where all the animation's yeah. done now right would be in After Effects because yeah. there's no flash anymore right like what do you do no I think I think Flash became Adobe Animate. I think that's what that became. But but Flash, in itself, as like website Flash, doesn't really exist anymore. Well, because um, everything's HTML five. Yeah, isn't that was that yeah, the advent exactly. of? Look, uh, listeners, if you're all getting very confused by a lot of the stuff that we're talking about at the moment, I did do a one-year multimedia course at a Geelong TAFE, which ah. is why I'm luckily uh, well-versed enough in this conversation instead of just being like, the what? Um, That's exactly what I did too. I did one-year multimedia at TAFE after high school. Yeah. And then I fucking got a job. And then I got a job, luckily, like randomly, and then, yeah, didn't have to do any other study. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, exactly. Like 500 bucks from the like, government-sponsored right? thing. In, a, in, 
in and out. <laughs> That's what they need to be doing. Fuck all this four years of uni, a giant hex debt and like no job afterwards still. It's like totally. one year of TAFE, 500 bucks probably. Yep. You'll get a massive rebate if you haven't done schooling there before. Sweet as. Yep. Straight into the workforce. All good. <laughs> We're going to need it after this COVID emergency when this is all said and done. We're going to be like, we've got nothing. We need to educate totally. a whole bunch of people quick. We don't have four years of uni. Yeah. There's no unis open. Quick, quick, quick. Yeah. Learn this, learn this. Go. Make Great a banner. Idea. Maybe we could do some like <laughs> online upskilling. You know, we could start a website, you know, give out some diplomas, get some people employed. <laughs> There's a scheme in that. Totally. Get some government money. Why not? Why not? Excellent. Oh, that's really great to hear, man. And it's always really cool to hear yeah. what kind of people in music do outside of work because I guess it's really tricky to find an occupation that can fit in tours and can fit in like, you know, like just all of this extra yeah. kind. Like being in a band is almost a job in itself. I've heard many of people course, in bands yeah. say that. So it's like you've got a job on top of your job. So do you have like... Um, yeah. And this is actually interesting that we're talking about this because it is COVID times and you're someone that, as you said, you've been working freelance for years now. Like, did you first get that kind of bout of laziness or, or writer's block or animator's block or whatever you want to call it when you started because you were at home and you, you know, you weren't in an office, you weren't kind of forced to work? No, well, I, I mean, I work, I've worked at home for the last, like, I don't know, five, six years uh, on and off. Like, I, like I, sometimes I have to work in in offices depending on the job but but for the most part I try and work at home as much as I can um but yeah I guess at this when I first started doing it it was it was hard to get motivated and you get distracted easily and blah but I guess over the years you just learn to treat it like a job and like if you structure your day properly it's more beneficial anyway and so it's like when you work that's it it's work time close the door get it all done don't go and do the washing or whatever. <laughs> and then I'm terrible um, at that dude. I'm like, I'll put a load on yeah. and I can go back in an hour, but then it totally just, I, I, I do that. A, I do that. If I need to render stuff or whatever, if I've got a bit of downtime, I'll be like, <laughs> all right, I'll get, I'll get something done. You actually, I find you, you, you're more productive in the sense of every time I go and work in an office, it's like, there's so much time waiting for things and you're sitting at your desk twiddling your thumbs. And at least if you're at home, you can be like, all right, well, I've got 20 minutes to wait for this render or for the client to get back to me. So yeah, I will just go and do the washing or whatever. But, but in general, it's like, you know, I, I treat it, I try and treat it like a normal job. Like I get up at normal time, get dressed, all that shit. Like I can't, I'm not going to sit in my fucking tracky pants and work all day. I just, I don't know doesn't feel right so I, I like trying to treat it like a normal job or even like go 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 for a walk around the block get a coffee in the morning make it feel like I'm actually doing something like leaving the house oh man this know, is so, this is all great advice yeah. and I'm sure people listening right now is like yeah fuck I need to do a bit of that too like I'm currently wearing tracky pants yeah. right now Carl like I won't lie to you <laughs> but because of the the zoom nature I just thought fuck it's like a news anchor I could just wear them but you're right there yeah, is something of course when when the first wave because we're in ISO wave two here in Melbourne uh, the first wave I was like, yeah, I'm going to wear like jeans every day and do my hair and like do all those things that make it feel like a day. Cause you got to get up and have breakfast and do those things. And this ISO yeah. too, I've been such a slack bitch. I'm just like, ah, oh, shower later. And I'll just like play a bit of computer before I start work. And it's like, it's really, you're right. Like you need to have that nut. When I get into the office, it's like work time, you know? Totally. Uh, well, funnily enough, when, when the first wave hit here, I ended up doing that shit as well, even though I've already worked at home. So, so life for me didn't change much, but I was like, well, if everyone else is at home fucking around, then I'm going to do that too now. <laughs> like, 
Oh, it's three o'clock. Fuck, let's have a drink. It's what, Monday morning. Who gives a shit? <laughs> so what do you think it was about that that let you just get away with that in your mind? That you were just like, everyone else is doing it? It was like a, a real sheeple mentality there? I think so. I don't know. It was just, it was more just like, I think if you, if you're, if you're working at home and you know, everyone else is out at their jobs doing their nine to five or whatever, uh, I think there's a bit of guilt in dicking around, but, but then when you know, kind of everyone's in the same boat, I've, I don't think you feel as guilty about it. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I feel the same way. And I'm like, man, I'm getting stuck in ISO two right now. Other people are living free. I'm allowed to like sit and play some major empires, you know, like that's yeah, totally. (laughs) Like I'm entitled to (laughs) what have you got your, um, have you got your fancy face mask picked out? Oh no, I don't have a fancy face mask yet. I currently have this one here. It's you just, just got like a normal one. It's from it's uh, when Mel went to the nail salon last that I've got this one to oh, use. Oh, very good. So you know that'll do. That'll do the job. You know what's? But we were just saying that yeah, like bands selling uh, face masks at the moment should be the number one priority for everyone in a band. Like, does do any of your bands no. have any masks on the way to sell online? No, we we probably should though. I've seen a lot of other people getting onto that there's a lot of arty people in your bands you know i'm sure you better find someone to have some time to whip up a, a mask thing for sure yeah we we probably should get onto that <laughs> we'll see where things go you know if sydney sydney gets shut down again which it possibly will then maybe we'll look at that <laughs> and then you can blame all us victorians like oh it was all those victorians that like came yeah. on the border and wrecked it for us you know to just keep that yeah. keep that battle going you know that's it just blame everyone <laughs> All right, so <laughs> thank you for your tips about how to work ISO. Uh, that's very yeah. handy. Hopefully, people enjoy that. But tell us about low. So, how did that start? And you know, that was you dicking around, you know, in your in your bedroom. What was the infancy of low? Like, what did it first sound like? What did it first feel like? Uh, it was I, around that time. I was listening to lots of um, Breach and Old Man Gloom, um, those kind of bands, and I was really kind of blown away by. I don't know. They were they sounded a bit more unique to me than than stuff I'd heard before. And I was just really drawn to them. And so that was the kind of stuff I was writing initially. I mean, those influences are still pretty prominent in our music <laughs> today anyway. But um, yeah, so I just started, I learned how to like um, record demos at home and program drums and just kind of taught myself how to do all that stuff. And I didn't really, I didn't really have a plan for it. Um, I was just like, I'm just going to write a bunch of shit at home and see how it sounds and record it all myself. And maybe one day I'll do something with it or not. And yeah. And then I think we had about, I think I had about six songs written and then got a couple of friends, uh, on board. Um, and we started jamming on the songs and, uh, one of the guys that our drummer, initial drummer ended up moving to Brisbane um, and we ended up getting Adrian, um, who's our current drummer. And I, di- I didn't really know him, but he was like mutual friends with a few people I knew. And I'd seen him, uh, I think he played in, uh, what was, I can't even remember his initial band, but obviously he's an amazing drummer. And I saw some videos of him doing like hectic death. I think it was Demon Pyre, maybe. I think it was <laughs> de- early Demon Pyre stuff. And I saw some footage of him drumming and I was just like fucking hell like this guy's amazing and ended up getting in touch with him and sent him the demos and he's like these are fucking great I'm in let's go and yeah so then got got him involved and 
Um, and then, yeah, Adrian, our bass player, I'd known through the hardcore scene and he'd played in various punk hardcore bands as well. And so just knew him through that and he was keen to join. And yeah, and that's that's kind of how we, we got started. Wow. Now, and yeah. tell us a little bit about the name because like it's it's up for conjecture because it's kind of like it was look and behold kind of at the start maybe and then is the Instagram look and behold? But it's like- it was always low. It was always L-O. It was, uh, the inspiration was the Ed, uh, Edgar Allan Poe poem, City in the Sea, and the first line is low with an exclamation point, and I just always thought that was really cool. Oh. In fucking hindsight, it was the worst name ever because of fucking social media. Oh and man, it it's kill, hard. It it's, kills me. It kills me. And when I Can't like look it up on Spotify, yeah, exactly. You have to search for vestigial if you, and then like you work backwards from yep. there once you get the yeah, page. Yeah, it's it's the bane of our fucking existence. But I don't know what to do. We're we're too far in now, and so that's why the look and behold thing. That's why we decided that was like we called our first album that, and we were like maybe that'll be a thing that'll catch on, even though that's not our name. But so that's why all our um, <laughs> Instagram accounts and stuff have that name but yeah oh thank you so much for clearing that up now because i you know i'm sure that listeners as well are thinking oh i wonder what because i thought maybe it was called yeah like look and behold was kind of what it was called at the start and then you maybe like shortened it and then i was like okay you know but i wish it was now (laughs) so just search for our album names (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's the rule (laughs) so you've got (laughs) So you got a couple of records out as well, right? So like Vestigial was... Uh, yeah. Because there was an EP as well. Was that the first one when Sam joined the band? No. Oh, yeah. The EP was, yeah. Yeah. So, so we had uh, we had two albums yep. first with our previous singer. Uh, the first album was mostly the demos that I'd written at home. We, we made that into an album. Uh, and, then, and then we had a second one. And then after our original singer left, um, we got Sam on board and we put the EP out because we just wanted something out very quickly with him on it to mm. showcase our new singer. So that that's where the EP came from. And then, yeah, Vestigia was the first full length that we did with Sam. Now, i got to talk about that Orca film clip because it's so iconic. And I think it's come up on this podcast a lot, not only when I'm talking to members adjacent to, to, to this band. It's like it's something that is just it should be in a, a dialogue with everyone when they talk about music videos at, at that level, at that standard, because it's phenomenal awesome yeah we're pretty pretty happy with that one (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that you've got a behind the scenes video on youtube about it and i was so fascinated to watch that is enough to be like well shit if someone else made a video and did a behind the scenes i probably wouldn't watch but because that was so captivating you're like i need to know how they did this you know like how did that yeah it's pretty crazy man like yeah that that i mean i don't think any of us knew what it was going to be or like uh, the our friend Matt who directed it he kind of said kind of told us the idea and he was just like yeah you're going to stand around a pool and Sam's going to emerge out of it and in my head I'm thinking there's a fucking blow up pool in a backyard somewhere and it's just going to be dodgy as hell and then uh our bass players Adrian he's a producer and like he works in film and tv and commercials and stuff so he has a lot of contacts and oh so he yeah, called the like, director friend and was like yo make us something sick no well the surprisingly the director friend came to us because he'd seen us play and he wanted to he wanted to do a clip and and but he like him and adrian have worked together a lot anyway and so they basically called in all their fa all the favors and got all the people all the best people in the industry who were keen to do it. i think i think that's the thing because obviously music videos 
um, don't pay well for the people who make them generally. Mm. But I think, and, and myself included, a lot of people do them because it's a passion project. And if you do it well enough, it'll get you recognized and it'll hopefully lead to more paying work down the track. Which is the so every freelancers, you know, uh, exactly. mantra. <laughs> it's like- well, it's also like, you know, if you're shooting TV commercials, you know, every week and then you get an opportunity to work on something really interesting and unique, you know, I think mm. a lot a lot of the people who worked on it were just like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll, you know, I'll do that for free. Like, let's, let's go. So oh, that sure. was a really good thing. So it's all about who you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, did Lo have a video kind of visual presence before that, before that orca clip? Have you guys done anything before nah. that? Or was that the first thing? Uh, we did like, we did one, I think uh, Matt, uh, Matt Weston from High Tension, he actually... He edited together something for us years before that, but it was literally just us playing in a rehearsal room. Kind of, it was a, it was a pretty cool clip, but it was nothing nothing mind blowing. So, mm, but then um, that awkward that was, one that was the first one. Yeah. You set the precedent then, and then you've got there was that one clip where there was like two people's faces started merging together by the end of it. Yeah, when they're like making out in the yeah. car. What yeah. was the idea that was also behind Adrian. that one? Well, that was Adrian's as well, and he was just. I don't know. He just—he was just like, "Here's a cool idea. What do you reckon?" I was actually overseas at the time with with Wheel of the Sea, so I was just like, "Yeah, fucking, that sounds interesting. <laughs> do whatever you want." <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, their faces will melt and move." And I was just like, "Okay, if you can do that, then that sounds great. <laughs> Good luck." <laughs> I love that. That's so exciting. So you've got like, you know, you've got all of these people in this team. That's like, you know, you've got you doing the riffs and doing design stuff. You've got him being like, we've got great ideas for videos. You've got like, you yeah. know, it's, it's such a, it's all in house. Whereas usually in previous podcasts, you have people that say, you know, we met this person and they helped us direct this or we made this or they did the artwork. It's, you know, it's funny when it's who's in the band, who's not in the band. Sometimes it's, it must be a big yeah. asset, you know, to have. Those we're people. pretty, yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky. We're pretty lucky that, um, we have all the different skills within the band to be able to do that shit and keep it in house and not have to spend too much money. I mean, we obviously have no money anyway as a band. So, <laughs> you know, if, if we can get stuff like that done to that level, like it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, the Orca clip did wonders for us as far as our presence and like even, you know, we'd been gigging for a long time you know, prior to that. And, you know, there was, it was so surprising the amount of people, even from Sydney who were like, I've never heard of this band before. This is sick. And mm. we were like, oh, wow. Like we fucking play all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing for me. Like I remember my buddy Matt showed the clip, showed me the clip and I was like, where's this band from? He's like from Australia. And I was like, oh, fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I just thought he was showing me a cool, like American or Euro bands clip because it was so, I'd never seen anything like it in like I guess that kind of Australian sphere where it's like it's a band you hadn't heard of yet and it looks that good it's like unbelievable you know it'd go yeah, it'd be like cool. front page on reddit these days if you put it on reddit nowadays you know <laughs> yeah yeah so it's funny so you said that that was your kind of first introduction as as Sam uh Dylan as your singer a uh, previous guest on the show listeners if you want to go back and check it out um and what an entrance that is you know having him come out of this pink goo like a screaming madman and not even actually seeing him though you know just hearing him <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It really, it really, um, like his worth work ethic on that set was fucking amazing. Like, um, you know, Adrian was saying he's he's dealt with professional actors who wouldn't even last fucking thirty seconds in that goo without complaining or whatever. And Sam just like, you know, he was so dedicated the whole day. You know, eight hours just 
fucked. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, it was really really cool. Wild. I and, mean, yeah, we'll put that making of in the playlist as well, listeners, so you can go check that out. Because, it's yeah, it's an amazing story. And there's like the... I, I, I'll never forget that one scene where someone's like tipping out a gumboot full of sweat. Like, Oh, that was, that was our drummer. Yeah, that was... It was like, yeah, it was like 40 degrees or something that day. It was so fucking hot. It's mental. We were all lucky because we did like... Me and Adrian did three takes and we were done but because um because our drummer was behind sam he had to be in every single shot so he was literally drum and he was drumming hard every take oh i know and, and uh, it's, every music it's video suffers that same problem with the drummer syndrome because like they go real hard at the start and they don't realize they have to do like the whole day because they're always in totally. shot and it's like yeah you know they're just like bright red in most of the shots of them playing yeah totally right <laughs> Don't That's envy awesome, that at man. all. So tell us a little bit more about so did so low started before we lost the sea. That sounds about right, was it? Is that what you said that you started? No. So we lost the sea existed uh, a little. I think around the same time, to be honest. Um, oh. So it was it was the Omarada drummer initially, and a bunch of other guys who were younger than us, but they were in bands from Campbelltown as well, and they were like big Omarada fans and we became friends with them because of that. And so they kind of started a band with the Omarada drummer and that became We Lost the Sea. And so, yeah, they did their thing for however many years as well. And then, um, and it was only, uh, I'm trying to think how long now, maybe four years ago, their guitarist, second, third guitarist left, sorry, there's three guitarists. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they asked me if I wanted to join because we'd all obviously been friends, you know, since day one anyway. Oh, that's so cool. And I they, was under the impression that yeah. you were there. Like you, you... No, no, I had, I had nothing, nothing to do with it at all. Um, it was kind of like, yeah, the two offshoots of Omarada separated and one was low, one was Wheelers to see. And then, yeah, they were like, oh, we've got a European tour booked and our guitarist just quit. Um do you want to fill in and come to Europe with us? And of course you're going to say yes. Um, so I did a, I did the European tour with them. And then uh, initially I didn't want to join. I, I think I load took up a lot of time and I knew we lost to see we're kind of, you know, uh, going quite big, get, getting bigger and bigger. And I knew that would take up, I knew if I joined, it would probably take up too much time and I wouldn't have any time for low. And I really just, wanted to focus on low. So I said, look, I'll, I'll tour, I'll fill in, but I'm not going to be a permanent guitarist. And they're like, yeah, cool. And so then I did a China tour with them, did a couple of other shows. And I'm only I mean, going to be in the band if you can fly me to like cool yeah, places. Only cool tours, cool tours only, please. But yeah, I mean, they didn't look, they didn't, they didn't do too much stuff as far as to, they didn't play heaps anyway. So it wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. And then they were like, oh, we can't really find anyone and we're all mates and you get along with us and why don't you just join the band? And I was like, no, no, no. And then eventually my arm got twisted and they're like, look, just join the band. Low, low can take priority. There's no pressure, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you don't have to be a songwriter. I was like, yep, cool. All right, well, I'm in the band now. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now I can uh, ride their coattails after all the hard work that they've done. So, yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, oh, there we go. Okay, cool. Because here I was thinking you were at the start, you know, building these foundations and instead you're just like coming in and snaking all the glory. No, no, not at all. 
<laughs> cool. And tell us about, there's another musical project here I've got written on my list is Olive. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Olive and uh, what your role is in that as well? Yeah, so it's my um, wife's band. So my, my wife's um, a singer and uh, when we met, she she'd played in a few bands and had a few projects and stuff like that. She'd always had other people around her kind of helping her out and whatever and she was the vocalist and wife's got a quite a um, unique taste in electronic music and she really wanted to do her own stuff but was really struggling to find um, like-minded musicians and people who were on the kind of same level and she kind of got really frustrated and I said well why don't you just learn how to do it yourself like that's kind of what we've all had to do and so she did and so she literally spent three years learning Ableton Live um, and ended up writing all these songs by herself and she's done a um, she did an EP and she we've just actually she just finished an album uh, literally last week wow. um, just finished recording an album um, and so I just I basically just help out live like I have no creative input I'm, I'm I literally just play some guitar and some keys live and but she does like all the work and in that band so what's the kind of influence sphere there like if 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 say you could find the musicians to help in that project what would the what would the flyer be at the you know the musician hall thing the music uh, shop it would be uh it would be the the knife would be number 1 the knife yeah. fever a bjork uh animal collective um, kind of, kind of that kind of stuff, and and a lot of those. I mean, I, I've always, I'd always liked Bjork, but a lot of those other bands I'd never really heard of until I um, met Belle, and uh, yeah, and she introduced me to a lot of really weird and interesting stuff. Yeah, and there's um, such a ripe yeah. world there for design and music videos, and like you know, you're in that field. So did you kind of lose your mind when you saw some of those Bjork clips and stuff? You're just like, holy fuck! Oh, totally. I mean, they 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 were like a lot of my initial inspirations for wanting to do. That kind of stuff, you know, all the Chris Cunningham stuff is oh, the like work of director unreal, DVDs, you know? yeah, so good. I've got the Spike uh, Jones one just on the shelf. The Spike over there. Jones one, yeah, fantastic. But yeah, the, but that the whole Chris, series the is Chris Cunningham amazing. one, I think we've talked about my fear of the come to daddy clip on this podcast yeah. before, and it's probably the, the greatest yeah. film clip. Like, if someone asked me, Lightning Round, what was my favorite clip? I think Apex Twin Come to Daddy's got to be up there as well, you know. I think that'd be up there with me too, yeah. I, I remember seeing that like pissed at three in the morning on rage once when I was younger. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, but it was so cool. <laughs> and it was like, I think a, a good friend of mine was also a big Apex twin fan as well. And like hearing all the random shit about him, like, Oh, he bought like a bank and he's, you know, like he's done all these weird things and he's like, and he records marbles dropping and samples it. And like all the weird yeah. kind of stories you hear about him as a performer, start to kind of like, and his weird face, obviously. Um, yeah. Like it all starts to play into this like larger than life, like weird character, which is so exciting. Like it transcends totally right. the music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's so, he's so mysterious and yeah. It's yeah, cool. exactly. Hanging out in his weird... I think it was a bank. I, he, he either bought a tank or a bank. I don't know. Maybe he's like, I'm not sure. So <laughs> he just got a tank, but I heard... Maybe it was both. A, yeah, maybe he put a tank in a bank, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a fucking bad Dr. Seuss. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and do you do the design stuff for Olive as well? Like, do you do... Have you done any, like, music videos or have you done any cool stuff? For uh, yeah, I, d I did one music video... Um, 
the only music video actually. But uh, yeah, I did I did a music video and I did the cover art for the EP. Um, but the new album uh, Belle discovered recently. She has a, a cousin. She's she's Italian, right? So she's got a massive family, and she discovered that she's got a second cousin who's a, a painter, and she does really really fucking cool shit. I think she's actually got a. Um, She's got a painting in the Outra Gallery in Melbourne. Oh wow! Soon there's an exhibition. Um, I forget her name now, but <laughs> we only discovered we only discovered this a few weeks ago. So um, yeah, uh, Belle's gonna hit her up and see if she can commission something for the next album. Excellent! So, That's really yeah. cool. If there, if you can, yeah. re- if you can recall, we'll put it in the show notes so listeners you can jump across. If it's there, it's we're yeah, both yeah. bothered to do that. If not, too bad. I'm s- <laughs> <laughs> I'll find it. Find Excellent. It I've made a note to, to put it in there as well. If there are any listeners, are like, I need yeah. to see this art. Um, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, dude. So I guess how do you... So now you've got kind of, I guess it's as much as you only just kind of fit, like, you know, do your thing there. You've got low and we lost to see. How do you fill your time outside of work hours working on band stuff? How do you dedicate certain hours to certain things? Um, well, freelancing obviously helps a lot um like i don't think i could ever go back to working full time mm-hmm. in an office um it's good because you you put all the power of how you manage things into your own hands and so it's like sometimes i might have to work 12 hour days or something but then it means i've got two or three days with no work Mm. So then I can just use that solely for music or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just a bit of a juggling act, but but there's a lot more opportunity to um, carve out those bits of time for things that I want to do as opposed to just like nine to five and now you come home and you're too tired and you can't be bothered fucking doing anything and blah, blah, blah. So if you so, say had two or three days off after your couple of 12 hour freelance days, would you still get up yeah. where you wear not trackies and like write low riffs? Is that, is that like no, your nine definitely to not. <laughs> no, alarms, alarms going off, get up when I feel like it and then <laughs> fuck around the house half the day and then get angry that I haven't done anything and then <laughs> force myself to do some music or something. <laughs> <laughs> And what, and like, uh, with, with all this COVID time, there's been a lot of free time on top of, you know, you know, you work freelance, you work from home anyway, but now you can't go outside. Does that mean you spend more time writing riffs or like, what are you doing with your spare time? Are you watching movies, TV shows, reading books? What's going on? Yeah. It, um, I definitely, I think the first two weeks of COVID when COVID hit, I hundred percent just did band stuff. And I think there was, there was this, this nice thing where, I get FOMO a lot. So it's like, if I know something's happening or some friends are going out, I want to go out. Or if a mate messages and says, Hey, do you, do you want to have a beer up the road? It's just like, Oh yeah, fuck it. Like I was going to do all this other shit, but I'll go do that instead. Yeah. So I get distracted easily. So I think knowing that, like I said before, no one can do any of that shit. Everyone's stuck indoors. I was like, well, I better be really productive. And I also was like, if I get to the, if we get to the end of this COVID thing and I haven't fucking done any creative stuff or written, you know, any low songs, I'd be really angry with myself. So it's so funny. Yeah. Your, your story is making us both laugh here on, on this side of the world, because that's exactly <laughs> what I feel like is like what's happened over here. It's like, Oh shit. Like, 
I better do something because there's no excuse now where it's like, oh, I've got to go to this gig yeah. or I've got to go th- see these friends or whatever. And now it's like you can't. Totally. So it's like, fuck, what do I do now? I'm forced to. Exactly. To do, I've got to do a podcast or something, you know? Yeah. Um, I yeah, start totally. randomly messaging people on the Fuck Your Tarot Lady Instagram being like, come on, ISO podcast. Because um, that was yeah, what happened yeah. the second time. I was like lazy the first time around. I was like, oh, I'll do a couple, but I don't really want to. And then people were yeah. allowed to come over again. And now it's like locked down again. It's like, shit, I can't like not podcast fuck. for six weeks. Totally right. Yeah. <laughs> I've got patrons to keep happy now, you know? Like money's not yeah. going to be well spent if I'm just being like playing Age of Empires on my computer, which is like my newest obsession. Yeah, do a podcast about that. You reckon? <laughs> I'll, find, I don't know. I'll find some top player. Yeah, you're right. I should mix my yeah. two loves, Carl. That's what I should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Just you swearing at the screen for an hour. <laughs> Solid. You can join our Twitch stream later, guys, when uh, Rory's yeah, going to be playing yeah. Age of Empires. Yeah, that could be fun. We'll make, we'll make that happen. Yeah, people make money off that shit, right? Yeah, fucking no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so what, so what have you been doing in this in this COVID time? So you've been writing. You, you have been writing some stuff. Can I confirm there's new yeah, music Yeah, trying, trying to get the new low album done. I've been, I mean, it's been fucking years since Vestigial got released and time flies and you kind of don't realise and... It's just like shit. We definitely need another album. So I mean, I've been chipping away at it for. A, I've been chipping away at it for a while, but I think uh, as soon as COVID hit, it's like, all right, no excuses. And and this is the thing. I was meant to go. Uh, I was meant to go to Europe for five weeks with We Lost the Sea in April. Oh whoa! Um, which is a fucking long time. And so I was just trying to. I was trying to get the low stuff finished before then, but it just, I knew that wasn't going to happen. It was too, too soon. But then it was almost like as soon as that got cancelled, it was like, fuck, all right. If now there's no excuse, low album has to be fucking done this year. Like, so yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty much been the priority. And has, has this new writing process, has it taken on some of this COVID mutation as well? Like, does it sound different or are you feeling anything differently this time around? Like what's the, give us a bit of insight into the new recording, the new low stuff that's going to come out soon. I don't think, I don't think COVID's affected the writing style or anything. Maybe, maybe for Sam lyric wise, I'm not sure, but definitely not the, the music. But You weren't like sitting yeah. in a dark hole in ISO. No, like no. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a noise project. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. Experimental. No, um, yeah, exactly. No, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's it's pretty much the same. It's, yeah, writing writing can be tough. I, I find I find writing tougher the older I get, um, and I don't know if it's because I'm too critical or if it's just lazier. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I think it's the latter, to be honest. Um, so yeah. I don't know. It's just a lot of experimenting, a lot of pushing riffs around and seeing what sticks and yeah, yeah. pretty much the standard. Standard. All right. Good to know. But yeah. the standard, like a low standard is already a very high bar. So it's not like you have anything to be worried about. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as, as long as we keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like that last one, like everything was pretty good, but this <laughs> last one just dropped the ball heaps. I don't know what was going on. Must yeah. have been COVID or something got in the way. Yeah, totally, totally. I don't know what I was thinking, guys. Sorry. Yeah, that's all good, man. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about... Uh, I, I asked a couple of uh, previous guests on the show, uh, Sam Dillon being one of them, Aaron Streetfield from Total Unicorn. Um, both oh, yep. had nothing but lovely things to say about you, but they also mentioned your record collection and that, that should be talked about on the show. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the records you collect and why? 
Um, I don't. I don't know how I got into it. I think I just owned a handful for some reason, and just I don't know. Just but I, I think I started off buying albums that I loved, like that I already obviously owned. Um, and my dad always had. Uh, my both my parents actually had a lot of um, big record collection when I was a kid, and they kind of passed on a couple like they had a couple of cool sound like they had the star wars soundtrack and cool clockwork orange soundtrack and they kind of i was like oh i want those and they gave them to me and then just i'd buy a handful here and there and then it just started becoming a bit more regular and <laughs> the addiction, I don't know, I the think addiction I, took hold and then you had to yeah buy more. but but i'd I'd always, I'd only ever buy stuff that I knew I really liked. I think I, w- I wouldn't just buy random records for the fuck of it and just chuck them on. Like it was always stuff that I'd heard and I knew, and I was like, I need to own that on record now. And um, I think it's that, you know, like buying CDs when you were younger was such a cool experience. And even just like just buying an album and then that's all you had for three months because you couldn't afford to buy something else and and you'd listen to it every single fucking day and <laughs> read the liner notes and look at all the artwork and shit and, and like that was super exciting and and obviously a lot of that doesn't exist anymore um so i think records kind of fill that void a little bit like it's always exciting buying an album that you you know that you already know but but then you've got the artwork and you pull it out and and you know, like we we listen to we listen to vinyls a lot. We don't just have a collection and then just play everything through Spotify constantly. But it's nice, like on a weekend or at night, you just you just like, what are we gonna listen to? And you put on a whole album from start to finish and soak the whole thing in. I think it's pretty cool. Oh, it's something that so, I have only yeah. learnt recently and, and can enjoy for that exact reason. And it's so cool to see albums yeah. that you love and you get to open it up and you're like, Oh, there's like extra stuff in here and like you know, yeah, there's, totally. There's a little bit more, like you can get a little bit more of that mystery kind of solved, I guess, in a way. Um, exactly. Something yeah. that I really liked you that you did at that time when COVID first hit and everyone was doing their top 20 albums, you did something a little bit differently and you picked 20 that were like influential on you from an artistic point of view, which I loved, by the way, because I was like, oh, what a fun way to kind of flip that on its head a little bit. And there were some really cool choices in there. Do you want to run us through some of them that you remember that you really liked specifically? Yeah, I, th- I thought there was a... I thought it was a better idea because, you know, everyone's got similar influences. Like, you know, you yeah. can only see... Limp Bizkit, you, like, you every don't want time. To see, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Justice For All taking up your feed from <laughs> fucking 50 people. It's like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We know. We know that was influential. So I thought it would be a nice thing to do something different and and pick the records solely based on the design. And a lot of those records are Bell's records. Um uh, and so stuff that I kind of haven't listened to heaps, but I was always really blown away by the artwork. So I thought that was kind of a, a cool thing to do. Um, I think the main, the, I think the first one I put up was King for a Day. Yeah. Um, which I actually have tattooed on me. But um, oh, where I is it tattooed just, on you? I've got it, got it on my arm here. Oh Can shit! See, see, Mel wants a yeah. Faith No More tattoo, so maybe uh, you can get some inspiration from that. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, I always, I always really, I always remember being really blown away by the cover when I was a kid and when I was a teenager and just like, I don't know, the, the, the music crossed with the artwork just matched so well. And I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. It just, it, it just brought it to this other level. And I just thought that was really cool. And that's always stuck with me. And so, yeah, that was, that was my first, first choice for the, the vinyl cover thing. But 
yeah, I don't know. It's just stuff that stuff that sticks out, I think, and just it's really bold. And I think a lot of them were quite simplistic. Yeah, and, that's you true, know, actually. Yeah, I kind of like that. I, I, I there's a no, notable mention was one of the ones he had was the swans one that has all the baby faces. Yeah, which yeah, is like yeah. The weirdest it's artwork. Fucking weird, man. Well, it was kind. Of, it was kind of cool as well because I had to a lot of those covers I had to research to write my little notes up, and mm. a lot of them I didn't know backstories behind. And apparently that swans one, it was a I, I can't remember the artist's name, but um, the singer from Swans had wanted to put his artwork that specific artwork on an album for years and and he and he refused and he's like no you're not using my artwork or something something and then one day he kind of folded and he said all right you, you can have those paintings and he was like yep cool so it was like he'd wanted to, to do that for 10 years earlier or something and i don't know there was all these like interesting stories behind a lot of them which was cool yeah it was, it was fun to research all that stuff I also really liked. Um, you had massive attack. Uh, is it helio gland? Is that what you call the uh, helio land? Heligo land. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I love yeah, that. That's always been a really yeah, because uh, that music evokes a kind of Guy Ritchie movie soundtrack to me. Whenever you think massive attack, it's always like, or like the start of Luther. The song is on that album, isn't it? Have you know that show Luther with uh, Idris Elba? Ooh. No, no, I haven't seen that. So I'm pretty sure one of the tracks from that album is the theme song to that. Uh, ah. show so it's like it's always to me it's always a really moody uh album and then the artwork is like oh i wouldn't have expected like this weird kind of rainbow and like a little dude's face and it's like but it's really yeah. striking yeah yeah it's very striking because otherwise and the, and the vinyl's got like uh the vinyl's got um like glitter on it and stuff like all the blacks got glitter on it and yeah it's like it's a tangible thing and you can touch it and feel it and mm. yeah, it's cool. Because you're getting into like design yeah. a toy world at this point, you know, where it's like you buy some limited yeah. thing that's got like, oh, this is a limited pressing to like a hundred that has like the glittery background or whatever, you know. Totally. And I, and I as someone who, uh, I don't know if you can see some toys in the background here, but like I'm a bit of a collector of that shit. So it's like I can understand the vinyl and why I don't have my own is because I have a toy addiction as opposed to a vinyl addiction. <laughs> it's like Well, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean... I don't think I'd have any other um, addiction other than vinyl. Like that's my collecting thing, and that's that's enough. It's expensive enough. It takes up room. It looks nice. That'll do. Another one that was in your <laughs> list that was great was the Mad Max Fury Road one, which was amazing. Was, it, was yeah. that a Mondo one? Was that? Yeah, Mondo, Mondo. They they do some cool shit. I actually bought a bunch recently. I uh, they had a COVID thing, and they were like free shipping all around the world for soundtracks and i was like shit cool <laughs> let's spend some money during covid when work's fucking sketchy as so i ended up buying uh i bought um they had a really cool space odyssey one and it had like a the cover was like a cutout with the monolith on it sick um and then i got an uh, the alien soundtrack and i got i actually bought the home alone soundtrack <laughs> Because the cover looks fucking amazing and it's literally the house in Home Alone and behind it is the lights and you pull, like it's die cut, so you pull the the inside out and then all the lights go off in the house. Oh, I thought you were about to say like a Michael Jordan like comes across on a train track through one of the windows. <laughs> no, that'd be cool. But all the, but all those things are drawn on there, but you can, so you can flip it to have like the other section of the house and I know it's really cool. Wow. But I was like, that'd be nice to put on during Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. What were we watching the other day with someone from Home Alone was in it? 
was it the dad from in Sopranos? The dad from Home Alone was in Sopranos. And I was just like, yeah, right. oh, yeah, there's the dad from Home Alone being like a scungy, like, cop. Serious. <laughs> yeah. It just made me think about Home Alone. Oh, man, that's yeah. awesome. When was Great the, movie. When was the last time you watched the movie? Like, do you, I remember the soundtrack, it being Christmassy specifically, but did you remember the, yeah. the, the cuts when you put on the record? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's fucking great. <laughs> I watch that movie. I think we watch that movie like every Christmas. It's fucking awesome. It's never not good. <laughs> That's awesome. It's fun times. <laughs> That's very fun times. All right, well, I reckon what we'll do is we'll head into the final lightning round questions and uh, we can wrap this up after that. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Great, man. I'm just going to bring them up on the computer because I can't use my phone because it's the webcam right now. Um... Two seconds, dude. Uh, uh. All right, cool. Are you ready for the lightning round, Carl Whitbread? Ready to roll. All right, analog or digital? Analog. Why? Um. Ah. Uh. I don't know. I like I like the rawness of analog, and I like I like listening to stuff that sounds analog. Even though everything's obviously digital these <laughs> days, anyway. But I'd prefer an album that sounded like it was a bunch of people in a room with a microphone, as opposed to every drum beat replaced and super overproduced. Mm. So yeah. So it's it's an it's, a, it's an analog you know uh, ethos vibe in a, in a yeah. digital world I mean, I mean yeah obviously everything i do is digital i was just gonna say digital, i thought you would be but... a digital man you know <laughs> mr yeah. motion graphics I guess, yeah i guess music wise I, I would lean more towards analog but then like when it comes to you know you know doing motion graphics maybe get like some uh like that see-through paper on like the projector and like do that all analog style yeah. maybe we can do uh, well, I've, I've, I've done a fair bit of that stuff like just you know printing out even digitally like printing out um type and then scanning it and fucking with it and and then scanning it back in and then using that digitally so i kind of like those analog techniques i think it always has a cool rawness to it that Ooh. makes it a bit unique there you go a bit yeah. random that's what i wanted yeah, to hear from yeah. this i wanted to get a little bit of that yeah. out of you <laughs> yeah digital's digital could be a bit too precise sometimes very much so um what time yeah. did you wake up today uh 7 30. what was the last thing you read uh i i actually read the watchman graphic novel um Sick. i'm not a reader yeah i'm not a reader at it's, all can you I'd see it it's fucking... actually on my shelf behind me oh really oh awesome absolute watchman yep. is like one of the I only can. comics i have left of my giant culls what did you think of it like reading it in this day and age now <laughs> fucking loved it so wow. i i'd never i'd actually admittedly had never read it i knew the story i'd seen the the, the Zack Zack Snyder, Snyder film mm-hmm. And then I ended up watching the um, the series Mate, talk to me. recently, and I I fucking loved it so much, and it got me really obsessed with it. So you watched um, the show and, for like oh, so you kind of understood the characters from the movie, but then you went straight into yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew the overall story and and everything, but yeah, um, I I thought the series was so fucking good. Like totally. I was really blown away by it, and the way they tied it all, in. and it, and it made me want to delve deeper into all the 
bits and pieces that they had in the show. And I knew there was a lot of references from things from the book. And so I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd never read the graphic novel, um, ashamedly, but I, so I was like, fuck it, I'm buying it and read the, I, I think just as ISO started, I started reading it and just smashed through it in a couple of weeks. And yeah, fucking loved it so much. Wow. And so, and, and so yeah. in, you know, 2020 reading it now, that's like a, almost a 40 year old book at this point, 30 year old book. Yeah. It came out what, mid eighties. Yeah. So like, how did you yeah, find, mid 80s. how did you find, cause it's, it's, it's been anyone who's listening who knows what Watchmen is knows that it's like the seminal comic book like that and Dark Knight Returns mm. was the thing that changed the face of comics and it was like 86 I think it was so but what if, yeah. how did you feel about it in terms of because people talk about the way colour and layout like the that whole issue of Rorschach's which I think is like issue three or four everything's mirrored the whole way through so the like, symmetry yeah, yeah. like yeah. people don't kind of pick up on that stuff but it's been kind of picked apart for like the last 30 years yeah it's fucking it's so cool I, I um like if you didn't know it was written in the eighties, other than some of the cultural references, like it, it, it sounds like it could have been written now. Like mm. it doesn't, it doesn't skip a beat and all the, all the issues in it are, are so relevant even today. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. The, the, the edition that I got has like a whole um, extra bit of all the behind the scenes kind of sketches and stuff, oh, which is cool. cool and yeah. And they talk about the, like, they show a lot of the page layouts and the idea behind it and kind of shit like that. So, yeah, really, really cool. Yeah, it's one of those books that it's not often that comics make you want to always flip back to the previous pages where you're like, wait, yeah. have I missed something? And then you have totally. missed something and it's, like, been peppered the whole way through the show. Much like, I mean, the, the comic, much like the show where it's, like, you watch, watch them in a second time around and you're like, holy shit, like, you planted everything in from the get-go. I know, know, right? And then, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I'm currently uh, in my drink through my second walkthrough of Watchmen. I'm thinking it's like episode six. I just watched the one where she takes the thing and goes fully back in uh, time. And it's like the most is, insane. That is the best episode of the whole series. That is fucking a masterpiece. Like it's just, it's so well done. Yeah. And I think that like, cause I think yeah. HBO was offering people to watch Watchmen for free during the Black Lives Matter stuff, which made so much sense. Yep. It's like, imagine seeing- totally. Listeners, if you haven't watched Watchmen, it's like seeing racism through the eyes of an African-American person in the 30s. And it's just like, Jesus, like, fuck, we're yeah. awful people, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. Just the worst. Yeah, very clever, very clever. Mm. Oh, well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that was the last thing you read. And I'm so glad this lightning yeah. round is taking place. That's, a, that's, the only, <laughs> that's the only thing I've read for fucking years, to be honest, because I don't read books, so. I just don't have the attention span. Oh man, <laughs> preaching to the choir. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I had that ready for this podcast because yeah, or else I'd have nothing. You ever read like a book in Year Nine at school? Yeah, 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 yeah. Paul Jennings, Paul Jennings. They'd still hold up for sure. I reckon if you read like an yeah, unreal yeah. or an undone, uncovered. Totally. Um, <laughs> what's your first memory? Do you have any like specific first memories of you growing up? I think. I think my first one, I was, it was my fourth birthday and I got, I remember my parents giving me a um, Battle Cat toy. Just Battle Cat by and itself? I can't remember. I, I, it probably had He-Man with it. I, I don't know if I already had He-Man and the Battle Cat was another thing I got, <laughs> but I just remember holding the Battle Cat toy and being fucking so stoked about it. Man, that's awesome. But I also, I also think it was because uh, my parents videotaped the birthday party, so I'd watched it after. So I'm wondering if that's why the memory, 
you know, has stuck is around. There. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But I do, I do remember it. Yeah. Have you seen that Toys That Made Us on Netflix? Have you watched that one about He Man? No, no. Oh, dude, you got to check it out. So on Netflix. Oh, I'll add that to my list. Yeah. So they do a whole episode about how they came up with He-Man and like who takes credit for it. But this dude drew it, but this guy designed it and how they made Battle Cat. And it's like, yeah, you'd love it, dude. It's great. Because I, I, was he the cartoon was made after the toys? Is that how it worked? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong on this, listeners, if I'm totally misquoting what happened on the doco. But I'm pretty sure what happened was they got like a random tiger from like a different line and just up the scale so He-Man could sit Mad. on it and like made it like a little saddle for him <laughs> because it was easier than like modeling right. a new thing. So they're like, let's just get a tiger yeah. and like paint it green or whatever. What color is it? What color is Battle Cat? Green, yeah. yeah. So they've just like painted the tiger green and they've just like scaled it up like instead of uh, it being like in some other zoo line or something. And I was like, fuck, that's awesome. Fantastic. Toy dudes are sick. Sell. (laughs) Exactly. Who cares? Just make it now. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking awesome. There's going to be a Dolph Lundgren movie about this in like five more years. We need to get our shit together, you know? I, I, I remember reading something and I could be completely wrong. Apparently the movie wasn't... It was a similar thing as in, because you know how the movie's kind of, there's elements of Masters of the Universe, but it's kind of this weird movie that it's nothing like He-Man at all. So Apparently that was that was a script for some Van Damme film or something that just was sitting on the back burner in Hollywood and they just went, yeah, we can like, you know, fucking put some He-Man characters into this and just turn into a He-Man flick. Correct, yeah. I think that's how that got made. So yeah. there was a there was a company called Canon back in the 80s and there's a doco about it that I saw at the film festival a couple of years ago and it was like, right. they were the guys that also made the really bad Superman sequels, like three and four, the one that has like uh, the... Yep. It's like the dude was a... What were they called? Like a Chippendales dancer guy. He was the villain. Yeah, was right. just like, fuck, just get this dude. He'll be all right. And then because they were this company known for making shitty low budget Hollywood movies for like so long. And then they're like, let's try a bit bigger. Let's try and branch out and get like more acclaim. And they tried Superman 3 and 4, which was a bust. And they did Master of the Universe, I'm pretty sure, which might have been the thing that sunk them. Maybe. They might have. Yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure they like put a lot of eggs in that basket and it was a big flop. Oh man, that's that movie's fucking unwatchable now. I used to love it as a kid so much, and I watched it as an adult, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Couldn't even get through it. It doesn't hold up the way like Mortal Kombat does, where you watch Mortal Kombat again no. and you're like, "Fuck yeah, this rules!" <laughs> yeah, this is so bad. It's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's well, like watching The Room. <laughs> yeah, it's like The Room, but with Christopher Lambert, you know, and like a sweet yeah. like. KMFDM soundtrack, which is like... Totally. Yeah, it's fucking unreal, dude. That's what you need. Does Mondo do a Mortal Kombat soundtrack vinyl? Because I would buy one of those. They must do. I haven't looked looked into that. They have to, surely. I want one of those. If not, they should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, (laughs) Moving on to the lightning round. This should just be called distraction round. Um, Yeah, yeah. Tea or coffee? Ah, coffee. Black? Fucking love coffee. You're black coffee? no, oh, whatever. Like, I'm I'm a massive coffee wanker. Like, <laughs> I grind my own beans and do all that fucking bullshit. But, like, yeah, black coffee in the morning, but then maybe a little cappuccino in the afternoon Ooh, or yeah. a macchiato or something like that. Whatever whatever I feel like, really. Yeah, that's great. I'm so, you you <laughs> can do whatever you want, you know? Do you have a nice coffee machine yeah. at home based on that? If, you, if you're grinding I, up your own beans, I feel like you must have a... I do now. I used to just have a um, like an AeroPress thing, but like I'd still buy fresh beans and grind them and all that kind of stuff. And then 
we moved into a bigger house recently, so I was like, I'm getting a fucking coffee machine. I've got the space now, and yeah, yeah it's great. I'm an adult man. <laughs> I can buy vinyls and a coffee yeah. machine. It's fantastic. Sick. <laughs> um, what was the last thing you cooked? Uh, pasta. I've actually been like every other wanker in ISO. I've decided to start making my own pasta. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's actually a lot easier than you'd think. And uh, yeah, I did it once and was like, this tastes fucking awesome and I will never buy packet pasta again. Wow. So yeah. Bold. Yeah, just, just, yeah but, just, but just really simple, like just like fettuccine and then just chuck some olive oil and garlic and parsley. My wife's Italian, so she's always like, less is more, less is more with food. So yeah. It's good. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's what you need. Stay on track. Um, yeah. yeah. If you were reborn, who or what would you like to be? Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe a dog, <laughs> <laughs> a Labrador or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, with a good owner. Dogs have good lives, yeah, right? Yeah, fucking if you, if you were, <laughs> As long them. as you weren't like a dog fighting ring or like a greyhound racing yeah, or something. Yeah, true. You know? Labradors, yeah. they're just used for loving families. It's like what they're yeah, for. Yeah, totally. Or helping people. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a noble re- rebirth. Uh, what inspires you? Um, music, film, art in general, hanging out with my friends, all that shit. Excellent. What was the last record you played? Was it the Home Alone one? Oh no no that was that was last week. Uh, <laughs> I've been um, been digging the new Run the Jewels actually. Oh yeah, J Four. Yes, I've also been listening. Really to that. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the last thing I listened to today. But yeah, it's fucking it's very good. Yeah, excellent. And it was nice to see Zach Dilla Rosha come back in such a Always. in such a fashion. You know what a what a sick yeah. song. This- they, they, they held him out till the very end too, which was good. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, here's, here's a little bit of Zach. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, that's it. We, you just get your, your, yeah. your other guest people. Was Frowl the other guest person in that song? Who's the other? There's another guest in that. And then uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, N-E-R-D. Um, yeah, that's Pharrell, isn't it? Pharrell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, sweet. I, I know about yeah. rap, you yeah. <laughs> podcast people. I know about the rap music. I know what's going on. I listen to Run the Jewels. I'm so cool ass. Yeah, yeah. I'm down with it. No, that's a that's a good recommendation. Thanks to my friends, Ash and Mark. They were like, check this out. I'm like, oh, this is actually sick. Like, I can get down with this. Yeah, it's, sure. it's fantastic. Great artwork as well. I'm sure Fantano loved yep. it, you know. It's, it's like, you know, if Fantano gives it a thumbs up, I'll give it a listen. Um... <laughs> Oh, what's your favorite piece of musical equipment? Ooh, uh, probably the, I just got an EGC, um, baritone guitar actually. So I think that's kind of, um, trumped everything else I own at the moment. <laughs> when I've heard baritone um, used before, it's usually like after, I mean, before sax or something. What's a baritone yeah, guitar? Yeah. Like what, what changes the... So it's... It's longer scale, um, so you can tune lower and it holds the tuning and the tension a lot better. I mean, you can obviously tune lower on a normal guitar, but baritone just holds it quite well and you can have thicker strings on it and you just get a you get a richer tone out of it. So, yeah, in saying that, it's fucking heavy as shit, like weight-wise and 
and, sound and harder to play. Yeah, yeah, both he- both weight and sound, and it's harder to play because it's a bit of a longer scale, so it's a bit of getting used to. But um, and does it yeah, weigh it on your great. shoulder when you play as well, or is it like yeah, heaps, heaps? Like how much does it weigh? Because it's I'm not sure, but because it, it's aluminium, yeah, it's fucking, it's a lot. I had to get a special strap for it and everything so my shoulder wouldn't fucking break off after touring or something. So, yeah, but, you know, no pain, no gain, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. Um, yeah. What was the last movie you saw? Uh, I think I watched Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, Wes Anderson. Yeah. You, you, do you get was, down with was, a bit of Wes Anderson with the, with his look? Oh, I fucking love Wes Anderson. They're, 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 they're nice and heartwarming and colourful and yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I really like his stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, it's yeah, such a... It's, it's a good movie. It's an easy film nerd grab where it's like, you're going to like Wes Anderson. Everyone likes Wes totally. Anderson, you know? <laughs> What's to hate about yeah. it? Some people don't. And I'm like, well, I'm not even angry. I just feel sorry for you that you didn't like... Let that into your life. Yeah, you didn't like work out your daddy issues through a Wes Anderson yeah. movie, you know? <laughs> totally. It's like I could finally talk to my dad after I watched one of any Wes Anderson movies, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying Wes Anderson's pretty got daddy much. issues, but I feel like no. there's, a, there's a running theme in his movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're saying. Uh, who do you love? My wife. Oh. <laughs> and my friends. Uh, that's, I love my friends. I love hanging out with my friends. Oh yeah, that's makes lovely. Me happy. That's yeah, and I feel yeah. like COVID times makes you feel that more than ever. Where it's like, oh man, I wish I could see people. It does. I know. Mm. Yeah, it was tough. Mm. Um, do you have any pets? No, but uh, my wife and I are about to get a puppy, a Labrador. Whoa! We just put a. Yeah. You might die been, uh, and be reborn into that same Labrador. I know, right? How weird. <laughs> <laughs> what if it becomes my parent? <laughs> That's a wild thought, uh, we've, man. We've, we've wanted a dog for like so long and we recently moved into a bigger house with a backyard for that sole reason. And um, we, we definitely wanted to go down the rescue path initially, but we were really set on a Labrador and rescue labs are really hard to find. Yeah. Because they have um, such great so families and they don't ever want to leave. Exactly, because no one, no one abuses them. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we thought we'd just bite the bullet and get a puppy um, and then possibly get a rescue down the track if we want to go for a second, like a greyhound or staffy or something. But yeah. we thought we'd start with a lab, see how we go. So It set the good vibe for the gonna... dogs in the house too. You know, if, yeah, you get, if you get an adopted yeah, one it, in, it's it, like, this is the rules. Yeah, look, this guy's calm, just... Settle the fuck down. <laughs> oh, that's really exciting, man. So, are you gonna, have you got yeah, any ideas for the name of this pup? What are you going to call it? It's going to be called Esteban. <laughs> <laughs> how long did Esty for short. How long did Esty take as a, as a concept when you think about dog names? I, I was at a cafe one day and this old woman walked in with this tiny little poodle and she started calling it Esteban and I thought it was fucking hilarious. And came home and told my wife and she said, if we get a dog, we should call it that. And I'm like, yep, done. Oh, good. Sold. Never have to have any debate about the name. That's awesome. Nah. That's a, yeah. that's a future fight waiting to happen. If it's like, I never wanted to call it Esteban. I wanted to call yeah, it something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just nip that in the bud right away. That's great. That's um, it. Are you useful? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I mean, I can't build a house, but, you know, I can... I can do other shit. (laughs) 
You can make stuff move on I the can, screen I, in After Effects. Yeah, yeah. That's really hard. I think I, I, yeah, I guess I'm useful in that sense, but um, I don't know. I feel like I'm a quick learner at least, so... If someone taught me how to build a house, I could probably figure it out. <laughs> like if, if everything went to shit, it's like, right, we don't need motion graphics anymore. You've got to like build yeah. houses to like earn your keep in the new look. Yeah, world. hand me the cement mixer. Let's roll. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's your biggest fear? Uh, I think death maybe or like knowing you're going to die. So like getting a terminal illness or something freaks me the fuck out. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Or um or spiders. I don't like spiders either. Same. <laughs> Greatest fear. I fucking hate spiders. What is I it about? I always like to ask people who are afraid of spiders like me. It's almost an irrational fear for me, but I think it's got to of do course. with the fact that they're just like fast and That's it. That, That's all it is. Is it the, So so if 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 there was a little like tiny fucking red back, which is obviously venomous, sitting in the corner minding its own business, I would not give a fuck. But if a harmless massive huntsman walked into the room, I'd be like, nah, get the fuck out. Like, Burn the too, house down. Yeah, it's too irrational. It's too, it's same, same with crabs, crabs. Anything with more than four legs can get fucked. <laughs> crabs, lobsters, all that shit. That's good awesome. eating though. <laughs> Spiders, you mean? Yeah, good eating. Yeah, delicious. No. <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe they are. <laughs> Not game enough to try, man. I've done a no. couple of Southeast Asia trips and they have them like on the thing. It's like, oh, I'll take a photo with them. Eat a spider. Be funny. It's like, no fucking way. No way. I could not put that anywhere near my face. Jesus Christ. So you'd be terrible on fear factor <laughs> if that happened, you know? Like, yeah, uh, fuck that. No way. That should be a fear. We should add that to the lightning round, like a, a fear factor style question of what you would never do in a fear factor style situation. It's yeah. like covered in spiders. Like, you couldn't pay me enough money to do that. Well, luck- luckily, my wife's the opposite so if there's a big huntsman in the house she'd be like all right i'll get it and then just like get a get a piece of paper and a thing and let it go and i'm like oh good at least you're not at least you're not killing it that's cool just get it get it the fuck away as far as possible in our household we're both we're both not down for spiders so it's like one of us has to like Uh, nut up and either like get it out which you know happens less often because more often it's just kind of like like yeah oh no which (laughs) makes me feel awful as like a spider murderer but it's also just like man at that in that moment of fear fight or flight it's like it's me or the spider sometimes yeah i need yeah i need to i need to sleep and live in this house so there's no alternative really (laughs) (laughs) um do you oh who who do you value what do you value the most cook that one Mm, I don't know. I guess once again, just my friends, my wife, my relationships. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think most of my friends, well, pretty much all, everyone I know has been through music. Like all my close friends to this day, are, I've known through music somehow. So I think that's quite cool. I think that's quite valuable. And yeah, I like that that's, the thing that's brought us all together. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so cool. It seems like, the, the, like, was it Campbelltown? Is that where you said you were from? Yeah. So like that yeah. seems like this weird little kind of bubble of, uh, of musicians that have all kind of popped up. Do you think it was because of that rehearsal space or like, what was it about that town that had such Definitely. a... Yeah. I, I think, I think that's why I think, I think cause we were all a bit of the outcast growing up there. And funnily enough, the other half of my friends are from Penrith, which is basically like Campbelltown as well. And we all met 
through playing hardcore gigs and <laughs> stuff like that. So it's like we've pretty much grown up parallel lives that have been exactly the same. And I don't know, we all just connected straight away and still have really, you know, close relationships to this day. So, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what kind of voices can you do? Can you do any voices or any like accents? <sighs> Not really. No. Nah. I like to think I can, but I, but I can't really. We always do... <laughs> on on tour in low we always end up all of us end up doing like this like boomer old boomer kind of voice just like oh oh that's a that's a lovely tattoo you've got there that must have hurt when you got it <laughs> so i don't know that becomes a running thing throughout the band for some reason boomer, i don't even know how voice. that started yeah yeah <laughs> Like nice, nice boomer voice, you know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Curious yeah. boomer. <laughs> like they want you to buy a house. They want you to be happy. You know, they don't care about yeah, your yeah, avocado yeah. consumption. They're... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. I like. Yeah, it's like my parents. They're yeah. nice boomers. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> oh, you're in a band. Oh, that's good. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why the uh, the the singer has to scream so much. I like the music, but it's going to hurt his voice. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Um, all right, some quicker ones now. Anime or Disney? Disney. I, I, I've just, I, I like anime, but I've just never got into it. I, and I probably should get into it, but just never have. It's long. Like the, Anime's the Studio long. Gimli stuff is probably the only stuff I've really watched properly. Um, but yeah, and like, I haven't even watched Akira or anything like that. What? But you, well, I, mean, I know, I know, right? But I know how cool it is, but I just haven't watched it. <laughs> they've been threatening to do a live action uh, Akira for so many years. Yeah. And just recently, yeah. Taika Waititi was signed on, but then ditched like five oh, minutes fuck. later. Nah, he's already out. Because Warner's was like Damn. desperate to get this up and running because the rights must revert back at some point soon. So they're like, nah, they, there was a couple of names that were attached for a while. And then he was attached. Like, oh, that actually could be sick. And then it's like, nah, he's gone. He's going to do something else now. Ah, <laughs> like, Damn. Man, he's one of my favorite favorite directors he's so good mm, oh for Fucking sure hell. man yeah it's really yeah. been a revelation to everyone especially in the nerd world totally. Thor. it's like wait this guy made thor cool and he's also done a bunch of other sick shit too yeah i'd see i didn't i i never watched any of the marvel films i'd watch a couple i'm just like oh, i hate this shit like yeah. i don't hate it but for me it's like comic book movies either need to be super dark or they need to be super funny and it's when there's that middle ground of like, we're going to start off really serious and then kind of be a bit wacky and, but not really that funny. It's like, eh. but then he came in and did Thor and was just like, this is fucking excellent. This is like watching Flash Gordon or something. Yeah. Like it's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. They yeah. did. I he, really enjoyed it. He made like a sizzle reel before he was picked to do the movie with like random shots of other movies to like that Led Zeppelin song. And supposedly in, yeah, right. in the footage was like, Breakfast Club and Flash Gordon and like uh, Big Trouble in Little China, like that kind of that, oh, that was the, yeah. that was the vibe he was trying to push out. Like it's gonna be colorful and weird and like kind of eighties. And we're gonna get the dude from Devo do the so soundtrack. Good. Like what a fucking ball to move. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Fuck it's yeah, great. So good. Yeah, so good. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Do you do either of those? Star Wars. <laughs> I've got uh, three Star Wars tattoos. Whoa, fuck. <laughs> Um, a whole bunch of toys and shit all around my desk. Um, yeah, Star Wars, 100%. What kind of Star Wars toys Never, do you have at your desk? I can't see that uh, angle. Like just, uh, just like little TIE fighters and yeah. things like that. And I've got, I've got the uh, R2-D2 and the other red. 
this guy. Oh, yeah. What's that guy's name? That dude. Uh, Red or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Star Wars. I, I never I never got into Star Trek. Never. I, like, I just found it really boring. I, the only the only Star Treks I liked was the, the J.J. Abrams stuff yeah. that he did recently. That's the first time I actually watched anything and kind of really dug it. But, yeah, always Star Wars. Excellent. What are the Star Wars tattoos? Can you tell us about them? What do you got? I've got um I've got a um ATST. Which one's the AT? ATS. What's the ATST? Is that the one on two legs? Yeah, I'll show you. Yeah. So I got that guy. <laughs> that's so good, dude. I've got the Im- Im- Imperial probe droid. Oh, that's the bop 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 one. And then a little Tie Fighter at the top there. <laughs> dude, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all just like firmly placed on your arm to just show everyone that you're a yeah. massive nerd exactly i love it so good <laughs> uh what about uh transformers were you autobots or decepticons uh i think maybe i, n- I don't think i really had a preference i think decepticons had kind of cooler cooler ships and stuff right i can't really remember to be honest just uh, i think it really just goes down to where whether you wanted to be like a bit of an evil kid or a good kid, you know, like, you know, the yeah. kids that really liked Wolverine and stuff. And you're like, yeah, that's a, that's a kid who wants to be a little bit bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. I always found Optimus Prime a bit too fuck yeah, America, you know, it was a bit like, ah, whatever. <laughs> Soundwave was, Soundwave was cool though. Yeah. He's fucking really he, didn't cool. he have like that really cool voice? Like, yeah. Cause it was all, uh, is that Soundwave? Yeah. Ch- all choppy chop, yeah. you know? It would have been, I always remember liking that. It would have been really cool back in the day to do that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, fuck now yeah. Now streamers have that voice just with like a press of a button. Um, <laughs> uh, are you more of a Batman or a Robin? Ooh. I think I think as for creative stuff and musical stuff, I'd say I'm more of a Batman in the sense I'm just like, all right, this is what's happening. Let's do this. Uh, but I think maybe more in everyday life I'm a Robin. <laughs> I can be a bit of a... Bit of a follower, a bit of a, oh, let's just go with the crowd and fucking someone else can make decisions <laughs> yeah. and I'll just go along with Let it. Let Batman do it. I just want to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I like that. Yeah. yeah, you do all the dirty work and I'll just fucking hang around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what about your favourite Ninja Turtle? Did you have a favourite Ninja Turtle? Raphael. Why is that? Because he was, because I, I remember him always being like a bit of a uh, joker, like not a joker, but like sarcastic all the time. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. Michelangelo annoyed me because he was too over the top. And Leonardo was just boring. Yeah. Donatello was kind of cool because he was a nerd. But yeah, I think Raphael was the, my favorite. I think if you, of all the people I've asked on this podcast that question, I reckon the biggest chunk of the pie chart would be Raphael at this point. I think, oh, I think right. the, the outsider uh, in the Turtles, I think, rings true with a lot of people in music and, and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, I like that guy. It's a little bit cynical, a little bit kind of, you know, on yeah. the outs, you know, he's not... He's not yeah. like running the rolls his eye, Rolls his eyes at every comment and yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what movie could you watch every day and not get sick of? Oh, there's a lot. Uh, oh, that's good to probably, know. I'd have, there's, there's heaps. I'd probably, probably have to say Empire Strikes Back. Like it's a classic. Yeah. It's got everything. Yeah. And a sad ending too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were doing that years before uh, Marvel movies was doing that shit. Um, <laughs> no no post credit scene though. 
<laughs> Man, if they only knew back then, that would have been, oh, God, know, right? it would have been amazing. Um, <laughs> what country do you want to visit the most? Is there anywhere you've been outside of your, you know, extensive touring with We Lost the Sea as a, as a member now that you haven't got to go to yet? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I've been pretty lucky that I've gotten to go to most places I've wanted to go. Wow. Um, I, I think Iceland and Japan are like probably the two, my two favorite places that I'd definitely go back to in a heartbeat. Um, I don't know, maybe Canada. I actually haven't been to Canada, so that could be cool, I guess. Um, or South America or something like that. Sick. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Or Antarctica. My, one of my friends actually uh, went there recently. He works for a travel company who oh. does tours down there, and that'd be a pretty cool experience, I reckon. Yeah, that would. I don't know anyone yeah. that's been to Antarctica before, no. except like adventurers wearing no. like suits that aren't going to keep them warm enough. Pretty much. Apparently, it's a pretty, uh, pretty hectic boat trip down there, and you basically <laughs> you're sick on board for 14 days until you get there. So, <laughs> lots of fun. Oh yeah, sounds great. It'll <laughs> be a real fun trip yeah. when you can finally do that. Um, we're onto yeah. our Patreon questions now. So, uh, first MA oh. movie you ever saw? MA 15 plus. Do you remember? Do you remember seeing that little octagonal Fuck. shape? Oh, I would not know. I would not know. Is I don't know, is like Terminator MA something? Maybe something like that, Which I guess. Ooh, yeah, I don't know what Terminator was. The first actually. one? Maybe. It was pretty gruesome at the time. Like he cuts into his own eyeball. Do you remember seeing that and yeah. being traumatized as a child? Is that what we're getting at? I think so. I don't know. I, I can't really, I can't remember. I remember, being on, <laughs> I remember being on a school camp when in year six, we went to the snow and we were staying in like, like little apartment rooms and there was, I don't, would not know the name of the film at all but it was like i remember there was a sex scene on it and we were just like fuck like so like whoa this is so bad we should be watching this so yeah i don't know what the movie was called but it was fucking terrible how did you see the movie did someone bring like a portable dvd player years ahead? no no it was in it was on the it it was just on the tv in the hotel room we were staying it was like a it was like a little service department block and like yeah it was like four or five kids to a room or whatever and yeah Teachers can't we stop you from watching whatever. Yeah, that's, no, that's wild. Exactly. Turn, turn the TV on at midnight when we should have been in bed and then there was a sex scene and we were like, fuck, this is hectic. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get busted for sure, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a new question from our new patron, Claudia. Thank you so much for uh, picking. Uh, if you could live in a horror movie, which horror movie would you want to live in? I hope I've got that question correct, Claudia. Message me if I'm wrong about that. We could retool it for the next episode. <laughs> But I like the concept. If you had to live in one of them, mm. which one would you be in? Fuck, who wants to live in a horror movie? I think that's the point. You've got to choose <laughs> one, man. Jesus. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe The Ring or something. I don't even know why. That's just the first you, you, horror movie that popped into my head. No, it makes sense because once you've watched the tape, you've just got to give it to someone else and just keep the tape perpetually yeah. rolling and no one will die. True. So you know how to survive at least, yeah. Yeah. You're just like, hey, look, I'm going to give you this thing and you're going to get this weird phone call, but if it does happen, just give it to someone else and just keep passing it on forever and then no one will die. Just don't wreck the tape. Yeah. Or sacrifice yeah. one person if you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, guys, you want to come over and got this cool movie I want to show you? Yeah, or maybe it could be like, you know, a oh. Daniel Andrews address or, or who, who's your pol- uh, yeah. Barajiklian, you know, <laughs> yeah, she gets totally. on TV and she's like, look, guys, there's this problems happened. Totally. There's a tape. 
We're just going to yeah. play a little bit for it on the TV for everyone so they all know what's going on. <laughs> and then everyone's fucked. Um, yeah. <laughs> last question, famous last words. Do you have any quotes that you like or would, is there anything that would, you know, you'd put on a tombstone once you passed away? Oh, fucking hell. Um, I don't know. I always like the, uh, always like the lyric. Um, I want something good to die for to make it beautiful to live, which is also from Queens of the Stone Age, Go With The Flow. Yeah, there you go. So loops, loops right back around to that. I've always liked that line. It's a, it was cool. It's a great line and it's a great way to, to yeah. end this show. And you've just, you know, you've gone all the way around and we've just like looped this conversation back and it's <laughs> fantastic. Perfect. <laughs> I appreciate that uh, and I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks so much for giving us your time to come on and talk about all this stuff. And uh, Yeah, Yeah, all good. Thanks for having me. It's been great. All right, good morning. Welcome to the Post Ramble. I say good morning. I'm recording this at 1.30 in the afternoon, but I'm still in tracky pants. (laughs) Carl would be so upset. But it's Saturday, you know, like it's a day off. Um, I hope you guys are listening have some kind of semblance of normality that you can have what feels like a day off and it's not just like every day is like oh my god matt cleary great friend of the show patron uh best friend awesome dude uh he said that being in isolation is like living in groundhog day and you just like clean the same dishes every day you know put the blanket roll the blanket up off the couch and like make it into a bundle and then like re-unbundle it at like four o'clock when you like stop attempting it whatever you call work I don't know. That's that's what it feels like for me at the moment. I hope everyone's safe. I hope everyone's well. Um, I hope everyone still has means to exist. It's starting to get really real now. Uh, so real, in fact, that I had to do an ISO podcast. So I was just like, fuck. I don't think we're getting out of this anytime soon. I think the world's fucked. I think I better get on the phone. Better hit up Carl from Lowe, who I had never met, but was really excited to interview. I thought he'd be a really good guest and... God damn, did he deliver, you know? What uh, Laura Veza was. She's also a Sun card as well, and she was someone that I also had only just recently met before I met that card. So I guess when you flip the Sun, you're always going to be a good person in my books, even if I haven't met you or I know you uh, not very well. Loz, if you're listening, hi. Hope you're well over in Canada. What other shout outs we got to do? Claudia, our second patron ever. Woo! So she's going to go down in the halls of, you know, Fuck you, Tara Lady Law. Thank you, Claudia, for being a big fan of the show and thinking it is worth a dollar a month US for. And at that point, ladies and gentlemen, that that was where I was like, I gotta do the podcast in ISO. Like, I gotta do it. I can't just like slump on it. I can't just sit on the couch and wear trackies and like play PlayStation and watch bad movies all day. Question whatever it is, am I useful? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm kinda useful right now making these things. And I look. To be honest, I love that conversation with Carl. It was something that I would have just liked to have done without a mic um, to get to meet and know that guy and be like, fuck yeah, that dude's cool. He's into way cool shit. Um, so that was really fun to like get to know that he's the dude making the music that I really like, you know? It's like, oh, cool. No wonder I like all the shit that Carl makes or is a part of because it's like it comes from a really cool, nerdy, interesting place that I like to be in. So I hope you guys got a little bit of insight into that as well. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. All right, so let's talk about the YouTube playlist thing because I, I bang on about them at the end of these episodes often. And I don't know if you're one of those people that 
doesn't watch YouTube or you do watch YouTube, or maybe you just didn't want to follow links in a podcast description. But uh, if you follow the link to the YouTube playlist, I think you'll have a really fun time. It is a curated, curated by Carl Whitbread. He has put in all the bands that we've talked about kind of through this episode. And if you're like me or Carl, we both discussed this, that we're both the people that when you listen to a podcast and they talk about something, you like quickly pause, add it to your Audible queue or add it to your Spotify or YouTube watch later or Netflix watch list or whatever it is that you do. So then you can kind of be kept kind of abreast of all the things we were talking about. I've done that for you in a YouTube playlist. So if there's anything that we've talked about that sounded interesting, like whether it be some of the videos that Carl's worked on or just the stuff... like the low videos are amazing that are in there and the making of we talked about but then there's also just all the music that we mentioned uh songs handpicked by carl to kind of set the tone and set the vibe so if you want to kind of take a musical journey or or at least a a, an origin style journey of carl whitbread you can do it via this youtube playlist damn it and it's good and i want you guys to get into it because this is the kind of thing that i do when i'm like sitting at home is like get on a youtube playlist and really like indulge you know that really short just little music videos, change it up, always changing. You don't get stuck on a thing. Sometimes the algorithm is, uh, you know, it just it just comes back around in loops. You know, it's like, yep, definitely seen this video like four fucking times already. Um, so it keeps it fresh, and it uh, it'll put some new music in your home that you might not have listened to in a while, especially Limp Biscuit because we definitely put that in there. Um, so throw that on and have a bit of a kind of immersion into the into the FUTL episode 27. Carl Whitbread, the Sun. Like, man, how cool is that? Sun. Sun card again. That's two suns. No moons. No, do we have, have we had a star? I don't think we've had a star. But we've got two suns now. So that's pretty nice. If you haven't listened to the episode uh, with Loz, you can uh, go check that out. Go back and listen to the other sun. See what kind of uh, similarities they may have. That could be kind of fun. Uh, and if you're going back to previous episodes, you can always listen to Sam Dillon singer of Lowe and uh, Hadel Moore so you can kind of get a little bit of side of that perspective as well um, Sydney Ciders haven't had many obviously due to the physical distance and now the actual physical distancing of not being able to do stuff but I think that unlocks a door I think we're going to do more Sydney people there's a lot of people up in that area that I'd like to talk to so if you are one of them I may be coming for you yeah it's going to be fun I think, we, I think we can actually do this I think we can do podcast in ISO I don't know if you saw on the, if you did the slide across post on the Instagram of the first post, I had a, an interaction between Carl and I, and I cleverly, because I didn't want to reveal who it was too early, did a little question mark over his face. Was it, that that's how I did the thing? You know, I just tried to lay out all the tarot cards. They didn't fit on the trestle table that I have, so I had to then put a couple extra on my little footrest thing. And then take that photo and get him to select one. And I was, I was thinking, I was like, how's he gonna do it? And then he did a little yellow circle and I was like, you know, like I was thinking maybe you could have done an X or maybe like done a crop in on which one, but then that wouldn't have worked. I don't know. There's lots of ways you could have potentially tried to digitally pick your tarot card like that. And I like that's how we did it. I hope that's a precedent that's set from now on. So it's really easy to be like, yep, cool. I definitely know which one it is. What if the, the you know, you're drawing it with your finger and then you end up not doing it big enough and it could be two, you know, you're like, was it the one on the left? Or was it the right? That's going to change destinies. I don't want to be involved with that. It would be really good if they could touch it themselves, but I think this is the best that I can do. You can also follow the link to the Patreon there as well if you want to sign up. It's just a dollar US a month. Uh, and you can have a question in the lightning round and help support this show. Hope everyone's doing okay out there. And I'll see you very soon for another one. Probably an ISO again because these work pretty well. And something about YouTube. I think there's going to be something on YouTube in the horizon coming. We'll do a little nerdy thing over there I think as well. Anyway, thanks for listening guys.